here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> Give me a name. I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, him. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, the King of Banter. Mr. Joe Landa. Joe, how's it going? Also the king of the Voices of Wrestling flagship World Series as the Reds take two out of three from the White Sox. <laughs> Damn. This. Spared everybody the, uh, the the boring part of the conversation before we hit record. But, the 20 uh, minutes about Daniel Palka, Adam Engel, and uh, Tucker Barnhart, which, yeah, they're uh, <laughs> very very small group of people. Like we, Anytime we talk baseball, we pretty much negate a lot of our – because we, we have a lot of European listeners or whatnot, and – I mean, Isle Man Man loves the, the the Blue Jays, so I guess I shouldn't, you know, immediately disqualify him. But for the most part, ninety five percent of our, our our European or non American listeners just groan at the thought of us even beginning to talk about baseball. Like basketball, they know the guys. We talk football, they you know whatever. We don't really do. But baseball, man, that's just got to be an absolute grind for them to listen to that. I was surprised because you brought it up, and I am stunned, stunned that you wasted a minute of your 4th of July little holiday there watching Reds White Sox uh you know I, I'm surprised you you watched a lot of it though you you watched uh Yeah well it was later in the day and... it was it was a hot day and it was like you know I was kind of fried at like 8 p.m. or whatever so I just sit down on the couch the nurse is going to bed and I'm just like what the hell's on I'm like oh Reds White Sox and for some reason I decided this is how I'm going to end my day off like I had a day off work it was a fun day I ate some good food and did all this good stuff. And it's like, all right, now I'm just going to, you know, regurgitate it all up while I'm watching Reds, White Sox. But I enjoyed it. I felt like it felt like, you know, when I'm doing the American day, that the, the next best American thing is to watch baseball. You know what I mean? It felt Absolutely. right. It felt like I, this is what I should do to cap off this America day is watch some solid, boring <laughs> Major League Baseball. Does the nurse give you a hard time when you want to watch your sports, or does she uh, play? Uh, yes and no. Like, she used to really hate basketball, but she's now gotten into it lately because it's so drama. She never she never knew that there was as much drama in basketball as there is, but now she's all in on, like, where, well, LeBron's doing this, and now he's going here, and this guy's doing this. Like, she she thought it was just basketball. She thought it was just, you turn it on, guys play game, guys go home, whatever. She did not know it was, like, burner accounts and, and guys switching teams and, and, you know, tweets, you know, and and. and Guys in the LeVar Ball, like she's now she's all into that now. So now she's actually become a pretty big basketball fan. Whereas when I first met her, she was a pretty big baseball fan. But uh, about six or seven years of bad White Sox baseball has kind of knocked it out of her. So I don't know if I'm going to ever get her back on the baseball, but we'll see. The the NBA has really become a uh, a, a tabloid league in the 
last decade or so. You're right about that. I mean, you can follow Joel Embiid on Twitter. Uh, the players are always sniping at each other. Uh, the writers are getting involved. Stephen A. Smith had a lot to do with it. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, yeah. it's, it's very much become... And she, she's a process uh, truther, too, because she... So there's some podcasts that she listens to. It's called Reply All. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good like, tech podcast. And they did an episode once on Sam Hinkie and, and the whole process thing or whatever. And she came home from work one day and was like, hey, do you know about this process thing? I was like, yeah. And, and then she kind of recalled every single like little detail about it and all this sort of stuff. And since then, she's like, every, hey, what are the Sixers doing? Hey, how's Philadelphia 76ers? And then when the burner account thing happened, she was all in. So she is 100% a Philadelphia 76ers fan at this point, I think. She's a fan of the tank. She loves it. She trusts the process. She's, uh, she's all in. Yeah. I have an ethical problem with tanking in sports. Like, I totally get why they do it, but I fucking hate it. You know what I mean? It's just there's, there's something. Uh, I'm just too competitive. You know, it, it's like I, I understand. But I, I do think, too, that the tanking can go too far. Like, I think the Astros tanking for, like, six straight years is a little much. You know what I mean? I think the Sixers intentionally winning, like, nine games is a little too far. I I can respect the rebuild, but the tank, the full tank kind of, like, like a half-decade tank just goes against the Yeah, I I get you, especially with the Sixers one as well. And, by the way, we've negated – yeah, no, sorry, everybody that's listening. But, uh, yeah, the the thing with the Sixers one is – and this is sort of my contention while it was going on or whatever. And the problem is, like, the Astros one that you mentioned worked perfectly. Like, they won a World Series, and they're going to be good now for the next, like, decade. So it's like, yeah, you know what, that – that and that's the problem is, like, those sort of things happen. Same thing with the Cubs. But the one thing with the Philadelphia 76ers and the reason why I, like – even though I'm not necessarily as negative on tanking as you are – for them, it was like they weren't even rostering like NBA players. Like that team was guys that there was not a there was one guy on that team, Robert Covington, when they first started, that was like an NBA player on any level whatsoever. But he, you know, on a good team, he'd be your fifth or sixth best player, or whatever. He's you know, right now he's like the fourth best player, you know, on, on the Sixers. But like that was the thing. It was just like, dude, none of these guys. It, it wasn't like you were watching young players. You were watching guys that were there to suck. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference. Or like the White Sox are doing right now, or the Reds did a few years ago and still kind of doing to an extent where it's like, you know, we're going to try out these young guys, but you see the talent on there. You know that, hey, this guy's going to be there when we're good. This guy's going to be there when we're good. You know, these three guys are going to be there when we're good. There was a while where that Sixers team was like, none of these players are going to be on here when this team is good. And the Astros were that way to an extent as well. I mean, Altuve sort of came in on, on the back end of that. But there were a few years where you're like, what is this? Like, none of these players are Major League Baseball players. Yeah, and it's like, I, and look, I, I understand it for a year or two. I get it that that's you know that's been going on in sports since the beginning of sports, right. but like these half decade tanks, like you're saying, like the Sixers trotting out Henry Sims and Hollis Thompson for three <laughs> years. Thompson. I mean, yeah. God, you know, th- 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 those are G League guys. You know, like you're saying, it's 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 kind of goes against the spirit of things. But you know, um, it, it's interesting that that's what um, that that your that your wife takes a liking because she can understand it on a non sports level. She can understand it from a um, you know, collecting assets and, and 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 a strategic standpoint. And if that gets her into it, and it gets her off your back, if you want to put a game on on, on a random Thursday night, then you win. So you know, uh, you know, good for you. Yeah, I did win that one, which is is pretty remarkable. I, it was going to be a tough fight for the basketball, but I got that. So I, I had to sort of let go of baseball a little bit, so I can only kind of watch baseball now a little bit when I'm on my own or when she's in bed or whatnot. But uh, basketball, I've won, so that, that's I'll consider. Well, you know, you gotta do. You gotta you gotta slipper a copy of Moneyball. <laughs> I tell her about Moneyball. She doesn't seem as interested in Moneyball. I guess because there's not as much. She likes the drama of the of the NBA. She likes a Joel Embiid sniping at people and and sending tweets out and LeBron being yeah. LeBron. And like she loves that drama and that the sort of. And I kind of let her into like, 
you know, I told about the DeAndre Jordan thing a few years ago where, like, they locked him in a room and wouldn't let him leave or whatever. And she's like, she can't believe that these right. are real things. I'm like, no, it's real, man, because it's, like, such a close-knit group of people. Baseball, you're never going to get that. You're going to have the analytics. You're going to have that sort of stuff. But you're never going to have, like, that level of drama. Or not anymore. I mean, maybe in the 80s when everybody was coked up and, and nuts. So, like, then maybe you had it. The, the New York Mets of the 80s had that. But you know what I mean? Like, modern yeah. teams now, even the Moneyball teams, were just like, hey, we, like, collected assets. And, you know, that's – I love it. You know, I nerd out on it. But it's not like – I don't know if it's going to, you know, stoke the flames. She, she wants the tabloids. She wants the drama. She doesn't want that sort of stuff. The, you know, well, what happens on the court is – that doesn't matter to her all that much. She's into the the, the, the drama of it. Well, then she must love the wrestling for that reason. Well, yeah, sometimes, yeah, <laughs> sometimes for sure. Um, so you talked a lot of shit about me about uh, weddings, and now I have to kind of confront that a little bit. Last week on the uh, the solo show, so you think I'd like to go to these weddings? Okay, so first of all, it wasn't the solo show. It was the it was one of the TV reviews. Okay? Oh, that's correct. True, and true. It, and it wasn't necessarily hear the month page. That's right. That's right. I just did one today, as a matter of fact. Two oh five live. You can hear me break down the uh the incredible mm. Mustafa Ali Buddy Murphy match. Did you see I it? have not seen it yet. It's on my list. Probably immediately when this podcast is over. We had a bunch of other stuff to talk about on this show, so I didn't get to that, but um I do want it because I've heard literally nobody give anything but great reviews for it, so I can't wait. NXT was good this week too. So it was Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, the, the first no week shit. of the Coastal really? Clash. Well, there you go. Yeah, the co- the Coastline Clash week one was was really good. MJF was on it to see. Defended the CZW world title this week. And uh, 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 Willie Mack defended the Heritage title against my man, Bad Dude Tito. So you can hear me break all that down on the Patreon side. But, yes, uh, no, I, I didn't necessarily rip you. for going. It, it ended up becoming a rant about wedding invitations, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to repeat here. you got to pay for that kind of premium content. You know what I'm saying, Rich, if you want to hear me break down wedding invitations. But uh, you do seem to go to an inordinate amount of weddings. Now, clear something up because the, my speculation was you guys are like what? Is she the same age as you? You're like uh, she's a little or younger, so she's like thirty. I'm thirty one, so she's one year younger than me. So you guys are in your early thirties. So is it a matter of this is when all your friends are getting married? So all the weddings are concentrated in like this five year period between like tw- you know like twenty eight, thirty three, or whatever it is. And second part of that question, my speculation, these are mostly her friends. If these are your friends, you're tossing that invitation right in the trash, right or wrong. Okay. First question, uh, yes, it is kind of a confluence. I think we're pretty much done at this point now. Like, there's there's a few of my friends that aren't married yet, but they're kind of of the ilk where I'm not entirely – I'm not, you know, I'm not putting away a couple any – Joel- you got some Joe Lanzas right, over right, there, no, right? No, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely not, like, blocking out any weekends in the uh, next few summers for them to get married. So we'll see. I mean, or – they're, they're just not on the path right now. So things can change, you know, in a year, things can be in a whirlwind. But uh, as it stands right now, yeah, I think we're, we're pretty well done uh, with the weddings for now. And a lot of it, the problem is it's like a lot of her close friends who have to be in these weddings. And that's the problem, too, because if, if we're not in these weddings, like if, I, if, if I'm not, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the groomsmen or whatever, and I I'm really am, I've been like twice or whatever. She's had like four where she's been in the wedding or whatnot. If it's not one of those, I usually am really on the fence about going. Like you're saying, if it was me and it was just like a random invite, I'm like, ah, dude, you know, let's try to find something else to do, or like, let's please act like we're going away or doing something or whatever. Because I, I, I hate weddings, and you, you know that we've talked about that before. The problem is we've been like in these weddings, like pretty much the last five weddings we've been to, we've been directly involved with the wedding, or it was our own wedding. So that that kind of played a part in it. And one of these, you know, one of these weddings, and I think I talked about it in the show too, was the same couple getting married twice in two different that locations. Is, that is absolute. Not, that's absolute nonsense. <laughs> 
That's absolute nonsense. I've never heard of such. Yes, a thing. in a two week in a in a three week period, two weddings, one in Chicago, one in uh in Buffalo. That's why I was up in so, Toronto as well. So. Hold on now, I have so many questions. So, two wedding receptions, or did they go through with like the ceremony twice? Today? So the first one, the the Chicago one, was like a church wedding, a, a priest, all that sort of stuff. Chicago church, this big beautiful church or whatever, and then they had a, a like a post kind of small party deal or whatever and it was mostly for her uh, the, the the bride's grandma i think that was played a big part in it the bride's grandma was not going to go to buffalo so she wanted something here so i think the grandma said hey here's a check you know have a, it was a vanity her grandma booked a vanity wedding in chicago if that makes sense okay wow her grandma was a money mark. yes her grandma's the money mark booked a vanity wedding in chicago because then as we were going throughout the, the chicago party we kept asking people and they're like oh yeah i'll be in buffalo oh yeah i'll be in buffalo and we're like wait a minute <laughs> All of you are coming to Buffalo and more? Like, what are, we, what are we doing here? And then we found out eventually Grandma's the one that's not going. So she, the, Grandma the Money Mark booked a vanity wedding in Chicago, and then the rest of us two weeks later went to Buffalo. And this was more of like a, I think they renewed their vows or whatever. It was a ceremony, but it wasn't done in a church. It was just done in, in some venue or whatever. And that venue was where everything took place. Otherwise. We're so. doing the vows a week later. Yeah. That sounds promising. Uh, the Grandma, people don't know this, also was the promoter of WrestleLicious. <laughs> I believe so. that's I you know I don't know that that's not true I can't confirm or deny that but there's a there's a strong possibility she was so so you had to go to both of these dopey yes. weddings my, my whole thing was if you're going all the way to Buffalo for a wedding it's got to be a nurse friend because if this was like one of your oh, dopey oh god no I tell college, them to fuck off yeah no I tell yeah. them to fuck right off <laughs> you're like I'm not coming to Buffalo for your stupid wedding I'm throwing it right in the trash you know it, it, it's like I, listen, I'll send the sausage maker in the mail like but I'm not coming to that. When I get wedding invitations, they go right in the garbage with the jury duty summons. <laughs> yeah. Are you allowed to do right that? Yeah. Listen, it's it's like I said on the pay show. I've been throwing out jury duty summons for, for is that close legal? To 20 I mean, years. I guess it is because you you're you're. Well, it's definitely not legal, but I've been doing it for like twenty years, and no one has ever said a word. So I just keep throwing them out. Interesting. Okay. Well. Yeah, I mean that's I, good. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do it next time for sure. That <laughs> this is not legal advice. I, <laughs> right. I, I want to make that clear. Uh, but but I'm not condoning listen, it. But you know, if you want to try it out, yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't even open them. I just throw them right in the garbage, like the envelope. Clo- they go right in the garbage with like all the free credit card. Off- you know, you get all that bullshit yeah, yeah, credit right, card right. offers. Right in the garbage with that and wedding. And you're sure they're jury like, duty? Not know. like you're not being summoned to courts or whatnot. You're you're positive they're jury duties? Nah, because I know what they look like now. I don't even bother opening them because I get them every couple months, right? And they're the jury duty summons. Every and I'm just months. like, well, you know, you get them like every six, seven months. Or, no, I get. I've tw- got like one get... a year. I think they're giving you more because you're not showing up. <laughs> Maybe I get them like twice a year, and I've gotten, they just like, go right in the I've gotten one trash. over the last like fifteen years. So that's. Yeah, New Jersey, Texas, no matter where. I throw them out, nothing ever comes of it, you know? I figure, what's the worst that could happen? They're not <laughs> well, going to put you in jail for not serving jury duty, right? I mean, I don't think so. I'm, get... I'm not sure, actually. I've always just showed up. Well, if they tell me, hey, look, Joe Lanza, you've been throwing out your jury duty summons. You're going to have to do some time. I'm like, well, then put me on a fucking jury. Here I am. Now I'm available. <laughs> you know, I'll, let me make up for lost time here. You know, I, I'll do a couple of them, but I, I now listen, is there a reason at, that you avoid it? Is it like just you just don't want to do it, or is it kind of a game now at this point for you? Well, it's a little of both. I mean, I want to see how far I can push this before they before something before happens. Thrown in jail, yeah. But I mean, it's like the other thing is, it's like sure, I would love to be on the fucking O.J. Simpson case, but let's face it, you, 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 how many capital murder cases are there going to be in you know College Station, Texas? It's going to be something boring. I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit there and argue. Over, you know, uh, and listen to people argue over, you know, some some 
boring bullshit. Like, everyone thinks, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to jury duty because I'm going to be on a murder trial or I'm going to be on some, you know, uh, you know, grand larceny. No, you're going to get some fucking bullshit that's going to put you to sleep. You don't want to. Yeah, well, do you, you, do you even want that life. either? Because I feel like I don't. I feel like when, when I, the one time I went, it was like a, a, a dumb case. It was short. I got out of it right away. They, they didn't want me. They didn't care for me at all, which is fine. But I've right. had buddies that have been stuck on things for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks. And, like, I don't know how it is in other states, but in Illinois, they're, like, they'll pay you, like, $10 a day or whatever. But it's, like, you know, you got to... Something menial, yeah. Right. It's like, but it's, like, it sucks. And, like, you're just sitting in a room all day. Like, more times than not, it's boring as shit. Like, even even the best of the best. Even, like, a really cool, like you said, a, a fun case or whatever. We're using fun for, like, you know, murder trials, which aren't exactly fun. But, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know what you mean. Like, a, a case that's interesting. Still, like, that's months of your life that's just gone while you're sitting in this, like dumb room or whatever like and yeah it just goes on forever and ever and ever so i would i'd be the opposite i would definitely just want to like get in and out like i think they asked me if some things it was like a drunk driving case and they were like oh uh, you're uh under 21 have you ever drank i'm like yeah and they were like oh you're out of here and i was like all right good see ya like, like i'm right. good like i i want to get out of there as soon as possible like i'm racist i'm this i'm th- just let me go please like i whatever you want me to say to let either one of you parties let me go please just let me do it i don't want to be here because it's awful the trash rich it's all you gotta do you don't no. gotta show up listen Here's the thing. Well, now I live across the street from the courthouse, so that would be pretty, you know, like, I can see it from my window, so that, that seems a little, you know, that might not go The other thing is I'd be an awful juror. Like, it, it's like... Oh, they, they would kick I you out like, right away. I mean, they, you, nobody would want you at all. Well, even if I got on the case, like, if I was the one guy on the other side, like, if there was, like, a Reds game I wanted to watch or something and I wanted to get out of there, I would just switch. I don't care. I just want to go home, you know? I'd be an awful juror. I would not stick to my guns. You know, I'd put I'd put a man in jail, even though I don't think he did it, if it meant I can go home and, you know, watch the Rams game or something. So you don't want me on a jury. I You, know, you don't want me doing any kind of civil service. I, I really don't have any interest. So, right in the trash, you know. What can I say? Maybe they'll come for me one day, maybe they won't. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. All right, so I got one more thing to talk about before we get into the actual uh, wrestling, which is going to happen. We are going to talk about wrestling at some point, but... Uh, Joe, I know this this will be near and dear to your heart, and I'm I'm, I'm wondering that, and, and there's a strong possibility you might tell me to end the show right now and and leave, and this is what we release. This show, as it stands right now, might be what we release because Joe, I don't know if you're you're aware of what's happening ten minutes from my house right now, but a man that you love and you adore is doing something ten minutes from my house, and the price is free. Do you have any idea who I could be talking about? Oh my porn star Peter North is fucking in public. I, maybe that's amazing. I don't... <laughs> I didn't know you were a big fan of Peter North. I don't. What's I just the first one. I would wrestler was it? Was he in that thread of of wrestler things? I don't know. I don't know my porn star. He was. So. He was in the. He was in that thread. It was just like, like I just. That's the first porn star I thought of for my really bad joke just now. But tell me. Okay, so it's a, it's it's, it's a man that's probably. Are, are you having Dr Pepper right now, Joe? Uh no, I do have a Coke Zero. Okay, well let's not let's Dr. let's for the, for all intents and purposes, let's say you have a Dr what, Pepper. Pitbull's in town. Pitbull is in fucking town, Joe. Ten minutes away from my house right now, doing a free concert. And when it's free, yes. and you're not there. I, I commitment to the show, Joe. Mr. Worldwide is not worldwide. He is 10 minutes from my house right now. He's the best rapper. How can you not be there? Because <laughs> I'm here. I'm doing this. Dolly. I can't believe I you're not there. I, 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 okay, I mean, I could, I'll end the show right now and go if you want. Yeah, listen, <laughs> that's probably a giant party. It probably is. The problem is that place is a disaster. Like, it's, it's at the Naperville Rib Fest, which, A, is, like, a kind of a lame place to go anyway. Like, last year, the Gin Blossoms were there. You know the Gin Blossoms, of course. Like, of course. And it was just, like, it was chaos for the Gin Blossoms. You know what I mean? Hey, like, jealousy. You know? it, hey, jealousy. Yeah, great. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Hold on a second. We got to rewind okay. here. P- 
Pitbull is playing a rib festival yes, I, for free. It, it, this is why I don't understand it. Has he? And and, and that's kind of what I was going to ask you because you are nothing if not the world's most you know prominent Pitbull fan. You know all the Pitbull Absolutely. stuff. You know everything. Why is he doing? Because when it was announced, I was like, wait a minute. Like because usually we get the Gin Blossoms, we get you know those sort of bands at, at at this thing. It's like those you know sort of hey this band was good in the nineties. Like here they are or whatever. We'll get Survivor. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Like people. People that don't have to go very far, people that are just kind of around, like people that are just kind of doing stuff, like that's what we get. Sometimes, like one year, we got Sticks at the river, at the Rip Fest, and that was a big giant deal when Sticks was there. Oh my God, Sticks is in the house or whatever. But this year we got Pitbull, which I was like, oh, geez, that's pretty contemporary, right? Or has have I missed that he just completely fell off a cliff in the last few years? I don't think he has. I mean, he, I mean, I, don't, I, you know, it's Pitbull, it's Mister Worldwide. How can he fall? I, that's off? that's why I was curious because it's like it, this thing is just like a dumb like. Summer festival and it's like fucking pitbull's gonna understand. be there. Man? Like okay, you got free pitbull, you got ribs, and you're doing this. Yeah, it's a rib festival on top. It's pretty it's good. good yeah, a lot of ribs. It's pretty lame. Anybody that lives in in Naperville or anybody that's listened to the show that knows of the Naperville Rib Festival, we'll let you know. It's 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 pretty lame, but I don't know. I <laughs> still how can a rib festival? Uh, it has with a way. Pitbull is the headliner. Be like, how can I, I know? It's 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 hard to believe, but it kind of is. So. Rich, he's the best rapper. How can this be lame in any way? I don't know what to tell you, but I'm and here. You get, yeah. and, and you get ribs on top of it. Listen. 8.30, 8.30 uh, tonight, Pitbull. And in, in a half hour, we get the whole show done in an hour, I can go see Pitbull. <laughs> I, you're crazy. If, if Pitbull was playing 10 minutes from my house for free and I could get some ribs, that's where I'd be. There's no question about it. You'd be, you'd be doing this show by yourself. I know. That's why I was, I was just, yeah, that's just, you know. The only thing that would be better if it was like if he was on a boat. Because I always picture him on a boat. Right, like yeah, be, yeah. He should always be floating and there should always just be thousands of Latina women, beautiful Latina yeah, women. Yeah, there's probably all kinds of hot Latina women there too. What are you doing? No, see, that's like, the problem with this rib fest. There's not. It's just moms. But there's, swingers. there's a lot of swingers in that town. So maybe, you know. If, wait, wait, wait. This town is known for having yes, swingers? Yes. There's a town near you yes. known for its swinging community. Well known. Wow, it's like a it's like one of the rich suburbs, but it's like the fake rich where like everybody hates each other. Oh, so it's upper middle class people who think. They're yeah, rich. so everyone's in like massive debt. All their kids are addicted to heroin, but it's like it, right. it looks all shiny and everything looks fine. And then like yeah, they're just fucking their neighbors and stuff. And they live in McMansion. Yeah, right, right, yeah, exactly. Great term. Right, they have they have uh, cars they can't really afford, but they have to keep up with the Joneses. Right, like people say. are driving Maseratis and they're like school teachers. And it's like, no, you can't afford right. that Maserati. What are you doing? They're, like, they're putting their children in private schools for the status of right, it. They can't right, really right, afford right. it. That kind of deal. And also swing. And also do a lot of swinging. So. Right. And so behind the scenes, they're just fucking out of control and uh, they have to have some kind of release. So they're fucking each other's wives. That's basically what's going on over there. Pretty much. Right? But that's, uh, that's happening with Mr. Whole Worldwide. town of that, huh? They should make a movie about that. Yeah. They, yeah. Starring Peter Norris. <laughs> he could. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, yeah, we got plenty to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about Ring of Honor, uh, Best in the World, also a uh, major title switch in Ring of Honor. We'll talk about that as well. G1 Climax in the Cow Palace in San Francisco coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that. The uh, much-talked-about New Japan CEO show, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Deathmatch, we are now a Deathmatch show. We are officially Deathmatch fans. So the, uh... This is a Deathmatch and Lucha show. Yes, yeah, we have now officially converted to Deathmatch and Lucha, and... And we're doing that. A uh, little, maybe a little bit about Pro Wrestling Noah stuff going on there. A little bit of bouncing around the indies as well. Some other good stuff going on. And then some uh, news with LA Park and whatnot. So a lot of different things. Like not one big topic, but a lot of little stuff. Uh, and that's probably why we wasted a half an hour 
talking about Pitbull and baseball and the process and all that other good stuff. But uh, before we do that, and before we get into the actual topics here, I want to let everybody know that this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Hims. And is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Are there any bald spots yet? I'm asking you, Joe. I know you got a great head of hair. You should be asking me because there are bald spots yet. And thankfully, I am doing something about it because I know you know this, that 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And when you start to notice that your hair is thinning, it's already too late. It's easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you have already lost. Now, you don't want that bald spot to pop up. You want to do something about it. You don't want that hairline to recede. You want to do something about it. And you don't want to turn to a bunch of weird solutions and weird science and go to the store and try to wander down the aisles. None of that. There is a solution, and that solution is forhims.com. That is the one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills, no gas station counter supplements, none of that crap. Prescription solutions are backed by science. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. You can save hours by going to 4 I did this. I answered a few quick questions, had a doctor review it quickly, uh, and just in a few minutes, he was prescribing me um, 4 products delivered right to my door. Just that easy. It was just that, you know, answer a few questions, doctor gives you prescriptions, it's at your door that quickly. And now is the time for the special offer. If you want to join me, if you want to join the other listeners that have done this as well, Voice Wrestling flagship listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5. It's a trial month of hymns for $5 today while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Now that website link, 4hymns.com slash VOW. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash VOW. 4hymns.com slash VOW. All right, Joe. Are we going to start off with Ring of Honor? When's the last time we started with Ring of Honor on the show? Couldn't tell you. It's been a, quite a while. I'm, 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 you know, before we kind of get into this, I'm, this is, I'm, I'm feeling kind of jazzed about Ring of Honor for the first time in, in, in quite a while. And I think this Best in the World show I'm going to talk about, I watched it um, front to back. I really like that show. Uh, we're talking about the big title switch uh, in, in Fairfax. That was kind of fun. There's, there's some energy around Ring of Honor for the first time, I think, in, in, in quite a while, or at least for me. I, I, I've long talked about on the show that I've sort of been down on them a little bit, you know, kind of hit or miss for me. But I, there's some energy for me with Ring of Honor for the first time in quite a while. And I think that's a big reason why we're leading the show off here. The TV has been pretty good. I review it every week on Mondays on the Monday TV reviews. And it's not bad. You usually get uh, a pretty decent main event, some good action underneath. I think an interesting place to start is I think there's a good discussion to be had about doing the title change. Look, we all assumed that um, Dalton Castle would be losing it at the pay-per-view, either to Cody or Marty Skrull. Um, you know, Dalton's run hasn't been a great one. He's got about 9,000 different injuries. Uh, he survived the pay-per-view. But what do you think about, I believe it was the next night or it was two nights later in Fairfax. Um, they do a four-way match. They do a title change. But I think the story here is they aired the match on Honor Club um, later that night. They didn't air it live. So there's a lot to unpack here. Number one. I think it was a tremendous idea to do the title switch the next night and to put it on our club to drum up a little hype and to get people thinking about Honor Club as a service and to maybe get some impulse buys for people who wanted to see the title change. Number one, 
What do you think of that? And do you agree with that train of thought? I, I do. I do. And, and, and like initially I, I was like many people after watching the pay-per-view and then knowing that they did something after that, I was like, oh man, like the pay-per-view is when you should do it. But then as I think about it a little bit more and knowing how maligned Honor Club has been so far, it's been sort of laughed about. It's confusing at times. It doesn't make a lot of sense. There's the content's not great. I think this is a great idea then to put that on there because now this is the first time since that thing has launched that I've heard people talk about Honor Club, that people feel like there's a value in Honor Club. I'm hearing the name Honor Club. I'm hearing it mentioned. You know, ROH is promoting it. So I think that was masterful to do it there. And I think more than that too, and I think this is something that, that, that applies to a lot of wrestling as well, is it also lets you know that if, hey, if you go to a Ring of Honor live show, you just might see something. It's like back in the day when, when, when WWF used to do that every so often. They'd have the Steiner Brothers win the tag titles or whatever on, on, on a random house show. Or the, the Mountie would win the, the, you know, the IC title on a house show. Or I think he, he lost it to, to Roddy Piper or whatever it was. And like sometimes that stuff would happen where it would just like all of a sudden happen and then there would just be a transition. The next night they'd, they'd lose it back at a pay-per-view. But it lets you know that, hey, like if I go to that show, there's a possibility that I might get that. And so it, it, it works twofold in that sense. It lets you know there's some value to the Honor Club because sometimes stuff like this might happen. Sometimes I might get a match that's really newsworthy, something that's really good and important on Honor Club. So I should have it. And then also lets me know, hey, if I go to the live shows, I might get something like this. It lets you sort of not get into the what, what the modern WWF or WWE house shows are, where nothing ever matters on those house shows. Nothing. You can go to a house show, miss a house show, whatever. It's it's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. Whereas I think it's good to always, you know, every so often, especially for a, a TV and pay-per-view product like Ring of Honor has become, you know, in, in recent years, to let people know that, hey, the live shows still do have a benefit. Things can still happen on these live shows. And then also, like you said, twofold, you, you work with the Honor Club as well. So I thought it was, you know, initially I was a little upset, but then as I thought about it, I was like, you know, that's actually a really, really good idea by them. Yeah, I think, look, you don't want to overdo it, and you don't want to consistently burn your pay-per-view customers, but if you do it sparingly like this, I think it's a good idea. Um, you know, you don't want to become late-era WCW where you're using your pay-per-views to set up Nitro, uh, you know, every month. You don't want to, you don't want to be that, but... Ring of Honor typically doesn't pull shit like this, so I thought it was creative, and I thought on the 30th, the night of the change, there was more buzz surrounding Ring of Honor than there's been in a long time, and there's certainly way more than there would have been if they just ran their regular show on 6.30 in Fairfax, Virginia, that nobody would have given a shit about. So, they did get the title, and on top of that, they gave you, and now I didn't see Best in the World, you did, so let me ask you this, um... Did Dalton Castle winning at best in the world kind of pop you as a surprise since everyone was so sh- dead set that there'd be a title change? So was that an advantage too? Yeah, no, it really was. They gave you a it, finish you didn't It, it ramped up the match too. And if you watch that, and I'm, I'm sure eventually you will probably watch it or at least you'll see highlights from it. There are a lot of like near falls, like weird, like there's a lot of shenanigans in the main event. And that's, the, it kind of took away from the, like as a pure match, like it was, you know, on the low end of the entire card because the rest of the card was actually pretty good. This one was a lot of story, a lot of kind of nuance, a lot of, you know, interplay between Cody and Skrull and, and, and Castle kind of being the, the, the odd man out. And, you know, can Cody and Skrull work together to take out Castle? So there was a lot of fun stuff in that and a lot of dynamics in that. And sort of a lot of it, too, is because, you know, you look at the main event, you look at Castle, who's got, like you said, a thousand injuries. Marty, who who right now, you know, for better or for worse, and, you know, more power to him to do it, is not a guy that's really going out there and having five-star matches right now. He's a guy that's sort of getting by by, you know, flapping his arms and saying whoop whoop and people go nuts. And I don't blame him. Hell, that's a much better way to go about business than, you know, going out there and killing yourself and doing a bunch of shit. So he's sort of relying on that. And Cody is, is Cody. Cody's always going to be a guy that's sort of the, you know, the, the nuanced type of guy. He's never going to be the guy that's going to go out there and just dazzle you with moves. He's going to sort of work the other stuff in there. So when you have that confluence, it wasn't a, a match of the year contender. It wasn't an awesome match, but there was a lot of elements in there, a lot of near falls, a lot of nuance that made it a lot of fun. Because I'm going in with zero chance to call Castle's win. I think we we straight up talked about that. I think I said zero 
or whatever when we were discussing in the preview because it was like there's no way he's no way he's going to come out of this like that and so when you see the near falls and then you see that he gets the pinfall yeah it did pop you a lot and and the crowd had the same sort of reaction like oh shit like okay all right like now we don't know now we have no idea what's in store and it wasn't it, it, it what was cool about it is it the, the reaction from the crowd wasn't necessarily because you, you'll sometimes get the oh you guys fucked up or oh you guys are doing the wrong thing here you know sometimes you get right. that sort of crowd reaction where it's like oh you idiots don't know that like you should not have the ca- title on castle anymore like what are you guys doing? It was more of the, oh, shit, what's going to happen now? That's weird that that happened. Okay, I'm interested in the next part of the story. Because you can get that from the crowd almost immediately. There are those moments, and you know that pop, where it's like, oh, you guys don't know that, like, what are you doing? Like, you can't, no, get the title off yeah, castle. Yeah, well, the fans reject it because they wanted. The, right, right, and it wasn't that. I see people, like, generally surprised. A and good then, surprise. Yeah, like, okay, well, oh, shit, okay, well, now I'm, now I'm curious. Now I want to see what the next step is. And that's a credit to Ring of Honor. And then they saw the next step that next night or whatever. So that was kind of cool. Uh, that that it was done. So you know, and when you kind of watch them back to back, it was it was pretty fun. And we had the review uh, on the website, Sean Cedor, and he reviewed the the Fairfax thing because they go hand in hand. They are almost together. Yeah. You have to sort of watch them uh, together. But yeah, no, it's it, it's super interesting because yeah, I went into that match with zero percent chance that Castle was going to win this. So it was cool to see him kind of emerge. All right, so we agree there. Good piece of booking, uh, retaining the title uh, at the pay per view and then doing the switch the next night, um, hyping up their streaming service a little bit. A real nice piece of booking there. I, 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 it looks like we agree. Now, quickly, the, the title change itself, the Jay Lethal title win. We both watched the match. Um, I didn't think much of the match. I thought it was just, look, a four-way match is going to... Uh, you, people know how we feel about these three-way and four-way. So it's already fighting an uphill battle with us to begin with. Um, I thought it was just a I thought it was like a three-and-a-quarter star match. I didn't think much of it about... The only real takeaway I had from it is Lethal did pin Castle which I thought was important. You had Matt Taven sitting there just begging to be pinned if they wanted to go that route and protect Castle. But what's the point of protecting Castle? He's banged up. He's injured. I'm, I'm sure he's going to take some time off. And not only that, it gets lethal off to a better start if he actually beats the champion. Those are really the only thoughts I have on the four-way. The match itself, I can't recommend it to people. I mean, unless you just want to see the title change because people like to see title changes and like to see, you know, just from a... A history standpoint or a completionist standpoint if you're a fan of the promotion, but I can't recommend it as a match. What did you think of the four-way? And since you saw both matches, how did it compare to the three-way the night before? Yeah, you know, I actually like the, the four-way a little bit more, and I did not think I was going to. I mean, I'm not a big Matt Taven guy, and I hate, you know, four-way matches, particularly in Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor does them too often. They overdo them. It's, they're always multi-man main events for the title, and, and it, it's, you know, I, and I say always, but, you know, it's not as, you know, it's not always, but they feel like they do it more than almost anybody else does. Maybe the exception of WWE because they do them quite a lot these days. But it, it it's just, I don't know. I really enjoy, I, I, I won't say it was like a match that you're contender. I'm not one that I'm, I'm saying you absolutely have to watch. But, I mean, shit, it was, you know, 15, 20 minutes, pretty compact action, a lot of fun. I thought, you know, visual pinfalls by some guys. You had Matt Taven getting a pinfall and, you know, them not counting it. So now he can sort of work the conspiracy angle. You had a lot of things where, you know, lethal early on in the match hits a lethal injection gets a kick out, Cody hits the crossroads, and Taven kicked, like, there was a lot of those, like, big moments, like, things that are going to build towards the future, I would think, like, Taven and Cody having something uh, in the future, you know, lethal, you know, ha- ha- you know, people kicking out of, of the lethal injection, you know, guys getting their, their hands on the ropes at, at, at two when you maybe thought that, that was going to be the pinfall, so, I don't know, I thought there were some fun elements in there, like, yeah, it wasn't, like, a super well-worked match, but I thought there was a lot, a lot going on, and they, I think they properly got the chaos down a little bit. And I think that maybe helped. And, and maybe because I watched Spoiled, that sort of was a difference where I knew that, okay, I know at the end of this, Lethal's going to win, so I'm kind of watching the chaos unfold that way, knowing what the result's going to be. Whereas maybe it'd be a little too chaotic if you were watching and didn't know the result. But I thought it was kind of nice that it was like, you know, anything could sort of happen here. And, and Lethal just 
got the right moment. Like he was just focused the entire match and, and, and didn't get too caught up in a lot of stuff because like Cody was getting caught up in, in doing stuff with Taven and Taven was getting caught up in proving points to Cody and Castle was just kind of the guy, you know, fighting for his life. And Lethal was the guy that focused the entire match. Like, you know, everybody else was doing bullshit. He wasn't. He was just from the minute the bell rang, wanted to win this match more than anything. And I thought that was a pretty cool story to tell. And yeah, I'd like, again, I'm not saying it's like four and a half stars or five stars or whatever, but I mean, for a 15, 20 minute match that, that was a, a noteworthy, you know, newsworthy match. I, I enjoyed it. Like, I think it's, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, if, you, if you're really strapped for time, I don't know that you need to see it, but I think it's worth your time to at least check out. It's a, it's an, a historic moment too. I mean, it's like, these things don't happen all that much in ring of honor. Title changes in ring of honor are sacred. So I think it's worth your, you know, 15, 20 minutes to watch. All right, so you like the second match better. That's number one. Now, the next thing would be um, maybe not putting the title on Cody or Skrull, who are arguably the two hottest acts in the company that aren't the Young Bucks, the two hottest singles acts anyway. Maybe, uh, the, maybe the idea there is, look, they don't need the title. We can draw with those guys without the title. Going to Lethal now. This is the payoff. His storyline has been he was in a slump, and he was going back to defeat all of the people who defeated him one by one, whether it was Chuck Taylor on TV and then finishing it off with Kushida at the pay-per-view, culminating in wanting to get back into the title picture. I kind of think they rushed through it. I mean, he had just finished off the storyline by beating Kushida the night before. Also, I watch the TV every week, and really the only promo that he really cut putting over this redemption storyline was last week. I mean, they didn't really he didn't really hammer it home. I had people tell me that if you listen to the commentary, Riccoboni had been putting it. Riccoboni's a great announcer, so I don't doubt it. That he'd been putting it over for weeks and weeks, but they really didn't hammer it home with Lethal himself until last week. So what do you think about uh, this Lethal storyline and the payoff being he comes out of nowhere and wins the title? Is it a good move going back to Jay Lethal, or would you have went to one of the Bullet Club guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I'm saying that I enjoyed it. I like this story. I like all this sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure why Lethal has it. I, I know that there's sort of, like you said, that the, the brief story or whatnot. And, and there was a lot of people getting down here. Oh, they've been doing this story for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. I was like, no, they haven't. I'm watching the TV too. No, they really haven't. Like, I was Listen, at- I don't doubt that they, I don't, I don't doubt that they've been doing it on like the house shows and stuff like that. But they, my point was they haven't really hammered that story home until last. Week. Right. Yeah. That was yeah. the first promo. Last week's TV was the first time I heard lethal cut a dedicated promo about that storyline and how he wanted to beat everybody and get back in the title picture. And that was just last week. Right. 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 He, he hasn't been doing that on week in week out basis. I mean, even if, even if on these, you know, random ring of honor house shows, he's been picking up these wins. It's to my whole point was they just weren't hammering at home, you know, just to clarify, because you're right. People did get on me for that. But yeah, it wasn't something um, that like you knew, like, OK, this is the final chapter of the redemption story I, at best in the world. Like, oh, but you know, what I mean, like two months ago, you weren't like strapping in for this thing or whatever. They might have been sort of casually doing. I know Ian's been, been mentioning a little bit, but like you said, lethal hasn't been doing much. But then for best in the world, the promo video was all about it. He comes out and Ian is hitting it every second of the match of this is the end of the redemption. He beats Kushida. So you knew, I, you know, kind of knowing what was going to happen the next night, a lot of that then sort of made a lot more sense. You knew, okay, sure. That now it's going to, but yeah, people are hitting it home. Like this has been a year long story. And it, it really, I mean, like maybe tangentially it has been, but it has not been like a focal point of any sort of Jay Lethal story. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't care what anyone says. They ramped it up recently. Right. It, it's, I mean, it's been ramped up the last two, three weeks or whatever, for whatever reason. I don't know exactly why. I have no idea. Well, now and, we know why. Yeah. Because this was the plan. Well, I don't know they, why that, that – maybe that my question is I don't know why this is the plan now. And I guess that's sort of my question. Oh, sure, is sure. Like, I've enjoyed, like It's cool. I enjoy the story. And I, da, 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 but to me, I'm like, all right, wh- wh- you know, when are we going to get to Cody or Skrull? Because I feel like that's the long story here. 
So is Lethal well, just I a think, transition I, guy? I, I don't know. I'm kind of confused. I don't think he's a transition guy. I think it may have been what I said before. I think it's they had to get it off Castle because the guy's fucking the walking wounded. And it hasn't worked. And and I think that I don't I don't know. Maybe they feel like they don't have to put the they don't have to put the title on those two guys because they're so over. And maybe they have other plans for Bullet Club stuff where the title would just get in the way. So that could be a possibility. Maybe, but the all-in thing is a little confusing. The, the having yeah. you know all this say, well, I'm not going to give you the title until you have the Ring of Honor title, and then Cody just doesn't have the Ring of Honor title. So I don't know yeah, like, so how what they happens, get that does he? Yeah, I don't know. That's true. So does he challenge Nick Aldis now or not? It's still on as far as I know. Because flat out told him he <laughs> wanted it to be title for title. Right, right, right exactly. So that's where I'm kind of, because now Cody kind of looks like a doofus. Because he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get that title Cody for you. And then he's the like, oh, I don't have the title. But give me the shot anyway. Like, Not only that, he's been talking shit about becoming a triple champion. Right. Being Okada at, at Cow Palace, too. So he failed in the first leg. It's like, you know, in horse racing, they have the triple crown. All the drama is when the same horse wins the first two. Not when he loses the first one. You know what I mean? It's like he, he, he lost the first leg of his triple crown attempt here. It's like there's no, you know, it sucked the juice right out of it. So you're right. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, so we'll see where they go with lethal. Now, um, we do kind of have to address this. Um, Taylor Hendricks came out on Twitter and she is claiming that the reason that she was depushed and eventually removed from ring of honor is because she refused to sleep with Jay lethal. And, uh, he saw to it that she, uh, that her ring of honor career was stalled and then ended. Um, as of the time of this recording, uh, all that we know is that she said that on Twitter she claims that she has evidence and she has more to add to the story and that Ring of Honor is looking into it. Um, we haven't heard anything else as of the time that we're recording this. Rich, I think obviously if she can prove that that's the case, I mean, if she's got you know evidence that, that Jay Lethal um, you know, made that demand and then she lost her job because of it or was even just de-pushed, because of it, Jay Lethal has to go, right? Oh, I mean, for sure. No yeah, no, absolutely. For Ring of so, Honor, especially, there's no, I mean, you can't do that. Jay Lethal is not worth that. And, and nobody is worth that. You know what I mean? But, like, they yeah, can't I mean, even justify it on any level whatsoever. It's like, all right, no, you're, you know, you got to go, man. It, 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 especially yeah. if she can, can prove that sort of evidence and, and that, yeah, no, he, he's definitely got to go. If, the, if their investigation turns up that he did that, uh, not only Jay Lethal, but anybody else that was involved in it. I mean, because you would think that something at that level. Well, then a delirious is then got to get a light shined on him, too, because, like, if, if, if her contention hey, is correct things. that yeah. she got depushed, I mean, Jay Lethal has pull there, but ultimately, it you know, the decision makers who, who are delirious and, and, you know, a couple others in there, ultimately those guys then, you know, I don't know what, what you know, eventually we'll see if, if and when, you know, evidence does come up. But, yeah, it, those guys then, too, because it, her accusation is that it wasn't just Lethal, but it was also then them saying, okay, yeah, we'll stop pushing her. Because of this, you know, because A happened, we will now do B or whatever. So the people that sort of did B, yeah, so that's that's going to be definitely uh, <laughs> interesting to say. Yeah, so yeah. now he's the champion. Right. I mean, they're, right, right. he's now the champion of the company, and you've got a former wrestler in that company. And let's face it, this is a company that doesn't have a great recent history with ex-wrestlers saying nice things about them when they go. Um, there have been a lot of whispers about Ring of Honor, both, um, you know, quietly and 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 quite honestly publicly that you know things are not great there from an employee point of view now um if 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 daddy sinclair gets a whiff of this i mean i would think 
that they would just cut off everybody's heads and fire anybody. You know, if there's any, I'm saying if there's any legs to this. Right, right. Well, because they're, they're a giant company too. And I think that's the thing that and, now we have yeah, to Yeah, and they don't need that kind of scandal with their silly wrestling promotion. Right, that's, right. Like we, we make the joke all the time. And it, it is true that they're kind of a, uh, you know, a line item for, for Sinclair. Sinclair is this gigantic company that, that has many different tentacles all over uh, the country or whatever. And, and ROH is a line item, but still it's a headline if, if that comes out. It's Sinclair's broadcasting group's ring of honor, you know, sexual assault case or whatever. And that, that's not something that they want to deal with at all. Yeah. They might just get rid of everyone that was in a position of power that allowed something like that to occur. You know, if there's legs to this, but um, the story's in the very early stages, it broke. Well, we're recording this Thursday. It broke yesterday yeah. as, as, as we record this and nothing really new has come out yet. So uh, it's done something to keep, you know, it's worth keeping your eye on. And I think that, um, you know, if if they knew if this story had broken a couple days earlier, they probably wouldn't have t- wouldn't have belted him up. I would think. I mean, because this is just um, all sorts of negative publicity right now, and he happens to also be their champion. So, and and I don't think that she uh, deliberately waited for an opportunity because if you check her where she revealed this on her Twitter timeline, I read through it yesterday. People were just randomly talking about her being part of House of Truth years ago and someone insulted her and told her, uh, you know, you, you know, you weren't, didn't have, I'm paraphrasing, you didn't have much to do with that, uh, you know, faction, whatever it was. And in her defense of herself, she said, well, you know, just so you know, uh, you know, Jay Lethal, your hero did this to me. You see, in other words, she didn't wait for him to win the title and then put out any kind of official statement. Right, because a lot of people will, will, uh, you know, unfairly then decide, you know, a lot of times with these cases and, and, and things like this, oh, you're just doing it now because, he, you know, he's popular. Right. He did this. It wasn't like she, you know, he won the title and she said, oh, well, now I'm going to reveal. And because then people, you know, you know, again, wrongly will then just say, oh, well, the only reason you're doing this is because he's this or he's got that or he did that. It was like you said, it was very nonchalant how she brought it up. It was, you know, to her credit, I, I guess, in a lot of ways, she just kind of brought it up, you know. You know, casually in a, in a sense, I, I I hate to say the word casually for something like that. But. She was she was having a typical dumb Twitter argument right, right. with fans, where they're where fans are. Where she's just discussing her ROH run with fans, and it, she kind of just backed into telling people. Right, she kind of defends herself and then sort of yeah <laughs> reveals. And then said, her. "Hey, you know, you think I was the shitty part of House of Truth? Well, this guy fucking got me fired because I wouldn't bang him." Is right. basically in layman's term, how it all came out. It's like, you know, I'm not even certain that if she wasn't having that random Twitter conversation, that any of this would have come out. Right. Uh, Because that's how it came out. And then when she saw that it got some attention, she said, hey, I've got more details on this. I don't think she said anything else since. So that's where we have to leave it as far as, you know, this discussion, because as of the recording, nothing else has come out. Uh, But I did see that Ring of Honor is looking into it. So... Uh, you know, if Lethal did that, he's got to go. Yeah. And anyone who knew about it obviously has to go. I mean, that's, you know, obviously heinous. Uh, but anyway, um, maybe we'll have a follow-up next week. Who knows? Maybe it goes somewhere. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I guess it's the ball's in her court now. I mean, I'm sure Ring of Honor's talking to her. If they're looking into it, um, you know, they've probably talked to him already. They probably talked to, to, to the front office people, Joe Coff, and I'm sure they'll talk to her. And uh, we'll see if anything comes up. But that could be a big, big story if it's determined that, that you know, there's some validity to that. Their champion has to be fired. And probably some other people got to go too. So that's definitely something worth keeping your eye on. So as far as the show itself, best in the world, um, let's go through it. We already talked about the main event, so I don't think we have to talk about 
uh, uh, the main event again. So let's work backwards from there. The Briscoes successfully defended against the Young Bucks. Really a coin flip match. It could have went either way. Did it live up? Uh, it did. Yeah, I saw a lot of huge ratings for this one. I saw four and three quarters. I think Dave went four and three quarters like that. I, I, or he may have went four and a half or whatnot. I don't know if it was quite at that level, but it did live up. I mean, it was a very, very good match. I've seen a lot of people put it in like, you know, top, top tier match of the year contender. I don't think it was that. I'm, I'm curious what uh, other listeners thought, but I thought it was just a step below that, but still very good. Briscoe's delivered, and the Bucks are just on an, another level this year. I mean, there's just no, to me, there's no doubt who the tag team of the year is. It's got to be them, and, and, and shit. They're just, the year that they're having and the business they're influencing and things that they're kind of doing is, is, is just out of this world right now for the Bucks. So, no, this is another great match for them, and they are the biggest stars in this entire show. I mean, the Was crowd, it the match of the night? Um, no, actually, no. Okay, hold off on what was. And second question, throw stars on it. Four. I'm, I'm at about a four. four and, and that's, you know, that's still I, very good. Like, I went in with, with pretty high expectations, but a four is still fine. But like I said, Dave, I think, went four and three quarters or four and a half. Or right? He had it, like, right up against five. And I, I just don't know that I was quite at that with this match. But, but very, very good match, for sure. So there was a really good match in here. Okay, we'll find out what it was. So then we have Punishment Martinez defending the TV title against Adam Page. And I'll tell you, for a guy that they just put the title on in Martinez, because he beat Silas Young, like, two weeks ago, I think they did a nice job building this match. I think it helped that they were already building a feud between the two before Martinez won the title. How did Punishment Martinez do in a very high-profile spot, third from the top, defending the number two title in the company? I think he did pretty well. I think one of the issues with this match, though, is it became a little too plundery for my liking. And, 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 and we knew that. It was a Baltimore street fight. It was these two guys. They have this sort of history. But I think if it was kind of a plunder-ish match in a normal environment, it would have been... But it felt like this time, because it was a street fight, they were able to just have gratuitous table shots. They were able to have thumbtacks or whatnot. And I'm putting the match down and, you know, to, to sort of set up what I thought was a very good match. I'm mean, probably three and a half stars, somewhere around there. I think it was very good. Punishment looked great. He was kind of the monster. Page was bumping all over the place. Page is a guy who's definitely improved a lot for me this year. So I think it was still really good. And it was a, it was a great, you know, you know, match and a great part of the feud. And great that Punishment won as well. But... I think it maybe got a little too plundery at times for my liking, but still, I mean, I, knowing what the match was, I knew that kind of coming in that it was probably going to be that way, but still, really good, three and a half, right right on the edge, or maybe four, uh, three and three quarters, four, so right on that edge, but still very good. Yeah. Did uh, Martinez do his over-the-top dive, flip dive that he tends to do in every big match that he's in? I, I'm trying to remember now. I, I'm pretty sure he did. He... He was actually pretty interesting. He was working kind of monster-like for a lot of time. Big lariats, okay. big kicks, big spears, that sort of stuff. It's interesting. I don't know if maybe they've they've kind of told him to kind of do a little bit more of that or or or, or what. But when he first came, like we know this. I mean, he he wowed a lot of people by doing like, hey, here's this big guy doing like Brian Cage-esque stuff, where it's like, hey, here's this big guy doing a lot of flips, doing this sort of stuff. I thought in this match he was more of like the big monster type, which I think is probably a good role for him. I mean, he is so much bigger than a lot of these guys on this roster that it might be a pretty cool way to sort of have him do that. He can still do the flip dive, like you're saying. He can still do that little stuff here and there, but I think it's kind of cool to have the lariat and the big boot and the spear be, you know, some a big part of his repertoire as well. So, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure he did that. I don't remember exactly, though. Okay. Jay Lethal Kushida, what'd you think it is? This? Obviously, Lethal won because it set up his title. Right. This was really good. This was not my match of the night, so this is interesting enough. It's it's still on the board, my match of the night. But no, this one was really, really good. I mean, obviously, it's Jay Lethal and Kushida. It's exactly kind of what you'd expect. Neither guy got to, like, a super high level. Probably three and a half again. But still, really good match. Real good back and forth. These are two just awesome professional wrestlers. You knew that, like, these guys could walk, you know, roll out of bed and have a three and a half star match or whatever. And this is what they did. Like, Lethal didn't go out there and kill himself, obviously, because he was, you know, the next night going to sort of set up a lot of stuff and probably do a lot of work the next night. 
And Kushida was, was you know, normal Kushida. Yeah, so it's not like a match, again, like to not to go out of your way and, and, and you have to see, but yeah, three and a half stars easily for this one, I think. All right, Austin Aries, Kenny King. This match announcement was made after we did our preview because, of course, Rich, big news always. Yeah, of course. When we're done recording. Uh, so Austin Aries uh, defeats Kenny King. What did you think of this one? I thought for sure we'd get some kind of wacky four-way also involving Silas Young and Beer City Bruiser. Thankfully, we didn't get that. Was this any good? It was very good. This is my match of the night right here. Match of the I night? How many stars on this it. one? Yeah, I'm, four I'm easily four and a quarter for this. Yeah, this is... I mean, short of like the old, you know, Kenny King and, and you know, All Night Express, mat, you know, ladder matches back in the day that I used to see live, you know, five, ten years or whatever, however long ago with King and Rhett Titus. Like, this is legit the best Kenny King I've, I, I've seen in, in, yeah, whatever, whenever those matches were, eight years ago, whatever the hell it was. Just, I mean, Kenny was on another level here, and he doesn't oh, so do this that. Is not a, this wasn't an Austin Aries one-man show. Well, Aries is so fucking good. That like you know I mean like I don't want to say a one man show I think Aries is the reason this was a great match but King wasn't the reason that it was dragged down at any point does that make sense like Aries is, yeah, is gotcha. fucking great like and, and we've talked about I know you're talking about it on your TV reviews sometimes Austin Aries is just this year the the fact that this dude was just stuck on two hundred five doing live doing nothing this is a man that bet on himself and he is killing it everywhere he's at whether it's Impact whether it's Ring of Honor whether it's Defy, whatever he's doing, this dude is on another level right now this year, and it's, he's doing such good work, and this is yet another example of it. Just awesome work by him, but King was right there with him every step of the way, and that's what surprised me, and that's why it became my match of the night, because I don't think anybody expected Kenny King to, 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 to step up and deliver, because he's a guy that, that has sort of rested on his laurels for the last, like, what, five, six years? Pretty much ever since he left Impact and came back to Ring of Honor, he's just kind of been a shit. When he left Ring of Honor to go to Impact, from that moment on, he just kind of was just a guy, and, like, he never felt... Like, he was giving full effort. He felt like there was always things that he was interested in otherwise. And and who could blame him? I mean, he's doing Bachelor. He's doing all this other stuff. There's no reason for him to bust his ass in wrestling. But, man, he must have known that he was in there with Aries. He must respect him on a different level or whatnot. Because he gave him everything. And him and Aries just had a hell of a match. So, yes, Aries was the better part of it. Yes, Aries probably carried a lot of it. But King was right there, lockstep with him. And that, that to me, it was remarkable. Because I did not expect that. So, no, this is, this is easily a match tonight at four and a quarter, for sure. It sounds a lot like my review of his little TV match he had with John Gresham in a nice little TV. Yeah, match. oh, I saw that Again. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very similar. Yeah, I think these guys just know that Aries is awesome. It's they, I don't know what it is. He must just. No, I meant King. I meant King. Oh, and King, Gresham. King and Gresham. King and Gresham. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they had a TV match a couple weeks ago, and it was like, um, it, it's same kind of deal. Like it was very clear who the better wrestler was in that case. It was Gresham. Right, in this right. Case it was Aries, but but King was right there and 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 didn't look like he didn't belong in the same ring. Um, uh, you know, at all. So it seems like a very similar match to the match. Yeah, because I, I really haven't enjoyed anything from Kenny King in like five years. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, yeah. and he's a guy I used to really enjoy and a guy that I was always like, oh, this man, like, remember when he, I mean, I remember we were doing the show when he moved to Impact. He left Ring of yeah. Honor, moved to Impact, and we were like, holy shit, man, this guy's going to do some things on Impact. Like, he's ready to go. I mean, this guy left Ring of Honor high and dry to go to Impact. and we, As a tag team right, champion. Right, right, People maybe forget that. As a that was title. a big deal when he did that. And we were like, holy shit, that must mean that they got big plans for him. He's got big plans. And then he went to Impact and did fucking nothing and then left. And, and then when he went back in Ring of Honor, it was obvious that he had just other things that he was doing in life. The, he was dancing. He was doing the Chippendales thing. Then he's doing Bachelor. But I don't know what, what's got into him recently. But yeah, he's, he's there. I don't know. All right, so we had this eight-woman tag where we had Sumi Sakai, Jenny Rose, Maya Iwatani, and Tennille. Uh, and they took on Kelly Klein, Oedu Tai, a faction which is Hazuki, Kogetsu, and Hana Kimura. Um, 
the Sumi Sakai side wins over the Kelly Klein side. What did you think of this? And did they build anything off of this? Uh, there was a little bit of stuff built off of it. I think the issue, and, and I haven't seen what the TV results are, and I have to see, is a lot of it was built up with people that I, I, I don't know. I think they're all, all those girls were hanging around, right, for the TV tapings. I didn't, I'm, I'm I didn't get spoiled. Sure, I didn't yeah. get spoiled and look at them. So, yeah, people are like, ah, they, yeah, they did. But, like, that's why I don't really read the spoilers because I, you know, maybe want to watch the TV and not be spoiled. So, I think, yeah. yeah, assuming that they are hanging around, which I think they are, again, I don't, I, I, I don't remember if they mentioned it or not. There was some little stuff built in there. There was some cool little, like, Tennille and, and, and Hana did some stuff as well. Like, uh, Mayu did some stuff. So, there, there was a lot of different things built up. So, it was, it was pretty good. There was some good aspects of it. The problem was there were a few people in this match that just did not belong on any level whatsoever. Kelly Klein and Jenny Rose, Kelly Klein in particular, when she's there teaming with like, you know, God, and one of them's like, you know, 17 or whatever. Like I forget one of them is like 19 sure. or whatever. Like Kelly Klein sucks. She's so bad. And like, you see it in this match when you're seeing these professional, these women that are just some of the best in the world. And in this, like Tennille is, is, is right up there with it. Sumi Sakai is, sure. is, is great as well. Mayu Itani is like one of the best or if not the best in the world or whatever. And then all these, you know, they're, they're young, but they're awesome as well. And then there's Kelly Klein. And it's like, she was so far behind the others. Jenny Rose, not nearly as much, but Kelly was so bad in this match. It was like, anytime she got in, you could just see, like, the wheels spinning. And she just doesn't know what she's doing. She just got completely outclassed in this match. Completely 100% outclassed. Hmm. Okay, so Klein didn't look no, good. No, I did not look I mean, it doesn't good. surprise me, but, I mean, you know, it, it, it really seems like it must have really stood out to be hammered at home yeah because everything was great when she wasn't in there because the, the the uh the the other stardom girls were just like running around and doing crazy stuff when they were in it was awesome it was so good and then kelly came in yeah. and slowed everything down and did her power stuff but she's got kind of the nia Jax thing where she does the power moves but they look like shit and they look soft as hell you know what i mean like sure you like, don't buy you don't buy in right she's as, she like, tags in like this powerhouse and then she's hitting like the softest clotheslines you've ever seen and it's like well no if you're gonna be the powerhouse then get in there and and and, and do this where when the, when the other stardom girls were in, even when when, when Tenille, uh Mayu, and, and Sumi Sakai were in there, particularly, they were bouncing all over the place, stiff kicks, running around, drop kicks, quick tags, double team moves, like a lot of real fun stuff happening. And then Kelly Klein comes in, and yes, yeah, she's supposed to be the clear the ring monster, but she does it such so weakly that it just looks like crap. You know, she's sitting on people, and it's just like, well, yeah, but you're like five feet above their chest when you're landing, or what? It, it's just stuff like that that really kind of annoys me. So Dashwood hung just fine. Oh, uh, she did. Yeah, no, she looked really good. And they built up a lot of stuff with her. I'm interested to see in the TV. Uh, if she mucks up with some of them uh, over the next few weeks. Because, yeah, they built up a lot of stuff. Her and Hana had a really good, uh, y- you know, sort of trade-off. So I hope that they have a match eventually uh, on the taping. You know, be it, could cool. be one of, it could be one of those situations. Like, I, I talk every week about Impact with Tessa Blanchard. And they, they, they don't have her signed to a deal. And I'm sure they would love to because Don Callis is infatuated with her. Uh, but it, it, I suspect that it's stalling the, her push. The extent of her, but they're pushing her. But I think it's 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 keeping her at a certain level. It could be the same case with Tennille Dashwood, where Ring of Honor, yeah, they're getting dates on her. But if they can't lock her in, because I suspect they would push her all the way to the top if they had her locked into a deal. Um, I, I you know, she was a bit, you know, she was a shockingly good indie draw when she first left WWE. She can hang with anybody, um, and and it seems like she'd be a much better option to hold this title than Sumi Sakai. So. I suspect that maybe that's the issue, but you know, I don't know that for a fact. That's just my speculation. No, she does feel like she's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit here, and and, and they did build up good stuff for her, but kinda yeah, cooling off. Right? Yeah, Doesn't yeah, like yeah. Like in off, this but... match, she was definitely not like. I mean, she was a big deal, and she was still you know focused on, but she wasn't like 
I mean, three months ago, she would have been this entire match. You know what I mean? Everything around this match would have centered around, oh my God, there's Tino Dashwood. Oh my God, Tino Dashwood's in this match. Oh my God. And then she just kind of like comes out and it's like, oh, there's, you know, all about her, Tino Dashwood. She was was the big surprise entrant in the tournament. Right. But now she's just like a roster member. It's like, oh, Women of Honors, Tino Dashwood. I'm like, ah. Somebody in an eight-woman tag. Right. It's like, no, I thought she was more than that. But yeah, so that's that's interesting. But I think it is probably like, yeah, put pen to paper and then we'll we'll, we'll do something with you. Because I think they're they're maybe a little worried to kind of get behind her and do a lot of stuff. you know, maybe they think that she's eventually going to go do something. I don't know. I don't know what other options are out there for her, though. I don't think she's going back to WWE anytime soon. So I'm not quite sure. Or she's just enjoying, you know, traveling the world and <laughs> wearing bikinis, which is a good gig, too. I mean, look, I'd be stunned if Impact wasn't talking to her. Oh, for sure. I, oh, no, absolutely. Know, I, I, yeah. I'd be stunned if Court Bauer hasn't given her a call. I mean, I'm sure they've all talked to her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so we'll see. Uh, talk us through this Flipboard and Bully Ray thing. Oh, my um, fucking God. I see it was a DQ, and I see it was five minutes long, so I'm sure you did not like it. No, I did not like it. Flip Gordon did a bunch of stuff. Flip, Flip was awesome this match. Flip worked it as, like, I'm, you know, I'm going to show you that I'm, I'm, I'm worthy of, of your respect, so he immediately just attacks him at the bell. He's doing flips. He's doing it. I mean, Flip took the first four and a half minutes of this match. Bully got, I think, one move in, maybe did another move. Flip did one move, and then Bully just hit him in the nuts for the DQ and then beat him up until a bunch of other guys came out. I mean, you see what they're doing with the Bully yeah. storyline. It's just it's not interesting. Right, and like, and, and I, I felt bad. I felt terrible because, like, it was being done well. Like, in a vacuum, Ian screaming, you know, get this guy out of here. Why is he even right. here? Like, why, what is he even doing here? Colt loses his mind. Colt runs down to the ring to try to, try to you know, face off with him and say, okay, we got to do something about this guy. Like, they're playing it up like Bully Ray's the invader. They're pulling it up like Bully Ray doesn't want to be here and doesn't respect anything or whatever. But the problem is, like, you do that, but then it's also, if he doesn't want to be here and he doesn't care and this is all stupid to him, then, like, I feel like that when I'm watching his matches, that he doesn't care, that he doesn't want to be here. And I know that they're trying to do it, but it's not getting enough heat. The heat isn't on Bully Ray. The heat is just like, ah, here we go again, like, Bully Ray. And that's the problem. It's like, it's in a vacuum. It's a good story to tell. I just don't know that anybody wants to see Bully Ray do that right now in 2018 in Ring of Honor. Yeah, and I mean, eventually, you think, you know, he he puts Flip Gordon over and Flip Gordon moves on, and they clearly well, they're moving things Flip on to like Cole Cabana. Like I, Flip Gordon was an afterthought. Flip Gordon got his ass oh, kicked okay. after this. Well, then that's really bad. Then. Right? Like he beats up Flip Gordon after the match. Cheeseburger. Uh, there, there was some. I forget his name now. Ian something or another. Some some prelim guy that I'm blanking on his name right now. I forget. I forget. You've seen him. He's got like dreadlocks. I think I forget his name. Um, um now he runs down. Bully beats him up. Cheeseburger runs down. You know he beats him up, and then Colt's like, "Well, where you know where are our tops? Why aren't our guys out here defending it? Where's this guy? Where's Austin Aries? Right. Where's?" Where, where are any of these guys? Where's Dalton Castle? Where's Jay Lethal or whatever? He goes, all right, well, if they're not going to come, I'm going to do this. So he throws the headset down and runs down and sort of confronts uh, a bully. So they're really moving it on to Colt, I, I think. I mean, I doubt that So in were... your view, this whole mess didn't get anyone over. No, <laughs> got Colt Cabana over, which is like, I mean, cool. Like, again, like, it's a good, like, in a vacuum, it's an okay story. But, like, why didn't Flip get over? Why is, the, the, you know, even if Flip does win, at the end of the day, it's like, well, Flip had to get saved by Colt Cabana. And that's how he won. It's right. like, not like Flip did anything to... to to preserve this, Flip didn't look like the better man on this match. Yeah, right, took... but you don't even suspect they're building. No, I mean maybe they are. I don't know. Like Cole again, Cabana. I haven't seen the spoilers, but nothing in Best of the World seemed to indicate that, and everything was featured around Colt. Like you know, Colt comes back and Ian says, you know, thank you for doing that. You know, I, we got to get this guy out of here, and and it's 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 interesting because they're doing like work shoot stuff where Ian's like, hey, Joe Coff, like what are we doing here? Like why is this guy even right. here? Like get him out of here, or whatnot. So it's like it's done well. They're doing a good job of it. Everyone's trying to sell it as much as they can, but it's like it's fucking Bully Ray in 2018, like. I don't want to see it, and I don't want to see any more teary-eyed retirement promos from this guy. I just don't want him on my TV anymore. 
just go away. <laughs> yeah. And he's well, yeah, it's, and the it's, production's it's, terrible. I mean, he's not doing anything in these matches either. Flip did all this match, and then Bully just you know punches him in the nuts, and that's it. And that's all that he's been doing. It's like the idea that that he doesn't want to, and that's you know they're playing it up in commentary too, where Ian and and Colter going, oh, you know, Bully is a good wrestler. Why is he not wrestling? Uh, you know, he is a good wrestler, but all he cares about oh, is doing so, this shit. Oh, so okay, like, so hold on now. So the story isn't that Flip just dominated him because Bully's a loudmouth and he's not as good as the young guy. The story is Bully is like dogging it, right? Kind of, yeah. The Bully thinks he, Bully thinks that this whole thing is stupid and, and bullshit or whatever. So he, you know, he's not even going for wins. You know, he's not even going for pinfalls. He's just trying. Oh, to This beat. is just horrendous. Right. This and, 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 awful. and I'm like, yeah, it, again, like in a vacuum, it's all. But it's just like you're telling the audience, don't give a shit when this guy comes out. This guy doesn't fucking care. He doesn't want to wrestle. And I get like, you know what I'm? This story would have been fucking money in like 2005. Ring of Honor. You know, super work rate Ring of Honor. If this guy came in here and did this in 2005, people would be ripping at him, like trying to kill him, because that's what the crowd Make was at heat. that time. They were right. we're here to watch wrestling, and who the fuck are you to say that that you're better than us or whatever? That when it was that you know us versus them sort of mentality sure. for early Ring of Honor, this would have been. So, but now in like 2018 Ring of Honor, it just doesn't have the same. It just doesn't have the same catch. So yeah, it's it's they're going about it in a very weird way. Again, like I feel like in other circumstances it would have been great, but for this, it's just kind of sucky. It's just, yeah, I, t- I hear what you're saying like in 2006, he comes out, he picks on Mitch Franklin. Right. Oh my God. I'm, the entire time I'm watching this. I'm like, this would have been awesome. Like I could not imagine. And then, and then Samoa Joe comes right, out. Exactly. Right. Fucking pop for the you know, I don't give yeah, a shit I, what yeah. you did in WWE, man. This is ring of right. honor, motherfucker. And you know, just like sure. muscle just, busters yeah. him and beats the fuck out of him. And everybody would have went nuts. And that would have been great. And then, you know, then maybe Bully rolls out of the ring or whatever and says, fuck off, you know, I'm, I'm out of here or whatever. Like, that would have been awesome in 2006 Ring of Honor. But here it just feels so weird. And it's like, because he's not that guy anymore. You know what I mean? Bully Ray isn't the fresh out of, and even though he kind of is, like, he doesn't have that cachet anymore. So that's what kind of hurts it a little bit. But, ah, I, like, the whole time I'm thinking, man, this would be good if it just wasn't Bully Ray and it wasn't 2018. Like, it just worked. But, yeah. All right, so we had the six-man titles open to show the kingdom. Um, obviously, Bushi took the fall here for Lij. Am I correct in my assumption? Uh, you know, I don't remember actually, but I think so. <laughs> I, I, it would have, I would think remember. it would have to have been. Yeah, I think you're you're right. Let's talk about the kingdom. Okay. Okay. I have it. turned the corner on the kingdom. Now, when okay. I say that I have turned the corner on the kingdom, I don't think that the kingdom are the greatest trios team of all time, and I don't think that they're super workers or anything like that. But when I watch the kingdom, and I watch. Matt Taven have a good TV match with Ultimo Guerrero. And I watch the Kingdom have good trios matches every time out. And I watch uh, the Kingdom have good tag team matches when they're in, like, the San Antonio show um, that I watched, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the Honor Club or whatever a couple weeks ago. And, and they had to do double duty because the Briscoes missed a flight. And they had a good tag match to open things against the boys. And I'm thinking to myself, every time I watch the Kingdom, I'm ready to hate the Kingdom. I'm ready to say that the kingdom sucks and I, I don't want, but the kingdom always have good little matches. And what I, what, and then what, what my thought probably, look, if they're always having good matches, I can't bag on them anymore because they're not having bad matches. The gimmick is still a little cringe, but they go out there, they entertain me. They never have a bad match. <laughs> a little. Okay. I tell you what, the balloons are growing on me. Oh my God. Gonna, you tell you, what, you suck. To, I hate I'm you. What are you talking about? Let me you tell you of something. all people are a balloon. Come the on, balloons, you're a balloon guy. I think, Come on, I think you. I, I think the balloon soft. spot. What have these kids done to you? <laughs> I think, I think the balloon spot is always well timed. Oh, you're. I like when the balloon I just rise you. up from you. 
And then that Taven Ultimo Guerrero match, I don't know if you saw it. I did. Okay, so no. Ultimo, you couldn't pay me to watch Ultimo Matt Taven Ultimo Guerrero, sorry. But, you know. It was really good. It was what a really was good okay. TV made right. event. Yeah, last week. I'm telling you, it's worth your time. So he's, he's you know, Guerrero's going for his finish, you know, that deal off the, the middle turnbuckle. Far be it from us to know the name of it. And uh, the balloons and took go him up. away, and now Wikipedia took him away. Like, are you fucking kidding? We're done. Yeah, now, We're never... yeah, now what are we gonna do? We're I know because it's like lost. Joe says uh, the thing off the top rope, but he hits him with the head, and like, and then like I'll usually be able to find it on Wikipedia. Now that's gonna be the best. It's the thing that hits him over the head, and then you could just tweet at us and get mad at us. But yeah, I mean, that's how right. could they possibly take those away? Jesus, we're dead. We're done. So the balloon, so the balloons go up, and imagine Ultimo Guerrero's reaction to this. Okay, so he's <laughs> right, watching okay, these okay. balloons. Like, what the? All right, I'm a little in. I'm in. Th- I'm starting to get. He's in. Like, what the fuck is this? Right, so he freezes. And then fucking, um, you know, Marseglia, he still has, like, he does the thing now where he pops the balloon in your ear, right? So he comes around the corner with another balloon, pops it in Ultimo Guerrero's ear, and you got to watch him sell this balloon pop as he falls off the turnbuckle. It was fantastic. And then, of course, Taven gets the win because Guerrero is the special guest. He don't need to win. So he gets the big win over the outsider. It was from Hammerstein Ballroom, and the, and the crowd was so into this fucking match, Rich. I'm telling you. Ultimo Guerrero is great because he can get over in front of anybody. He gets over in New Japan. He gets over in New York City. He gets over, obviously, in Mexico. And they were over like motherfuckers in New York City. And New York City will reject you. They don't care who you are. If they don't like you and you're giving a shitty performance, they'll boo you out of the building. But that match got over. The balloon spot was fantastic. And I've turned the corner on the kingdom. Look, I don't think they're great, but I think they go out there every time and they give you a solid three and a quarter star performance. And you know what? Who am I to complain about that? I I cannot admit I cannot believe you've become a balloon guy. It's is it, I, I, it's growing on me. The balloon spot wow. is growing on. You of all people, man. Jeez. And I... let me tell you something. When they re- when those balloons come mysteriously up from underneath the, <laughs> the the crowd always gasps at that spot. You notice yeah, that? They're always yeah. like, oh, they yeah. do. My, okay, my kingdom thing is like they are decent workers. Like I I don't know that I've ever like hated a kingdom match like that that's sort of the thing is they're fine like on openers they are great for ring of honor openers you know what i mean like they're they're yeah. the perfect they're high energy they're quick tags high energy. like they're, they're they get in and out 10 minutes like they're great 10 minute trios tag guys they're perfect for that yeah i get that i just fucking i i see them and i just don't want to see them you know what i mean like i just i no, see those I, fucking I balloons i see Vinny and his disgusting hair, and then he's like, you know, sticking his tongue out at the camera. I just don't want to. I just see them. They feel like they've been around for 15 years. They're always opening every Ring of Honor show. Every time I watch Ring of Honor, the kingdom shows up. Like, I'm just sick of that. And <laughs> that's like, it's. Rich, I'm going to tell you why. It sucks. They've been around forever. I've got it you, feels like, but go ahead. Yeah. I've got you figured out. You're a Melvin. <laughs> Maybe I am. I definitely am. You're a Melvin. You're just. You're just a Melvin. I do enjoy. And, I do enjoy and, Matt David calling people Melvin. That, that has actually popped me quite a few times. Where the fuck did he come up with that? Like, it's like, like the one thing you like, I don't like. I can't stand when he calls people. Oh, that's the best. Oh my god, no, it's the greatest. That's a terrible catchphrase, calling people (laughs) a Melvin. Uh, But anyway, how was this match? I mean, they're in there with Lij, who can go. So was it? Yeah, pretty good actually. It was pretty fun. A lot of, I mean, it was jokey. Evil came in there and did some big, you know, power stuff or whatever. That's all he did. As you can probably guess, a lot of it was Sonata putting people in the Paradise Lock, and that was sort of the fun, you know. So if you don't love that. It was a lot of like, hey, look at these guys in the paradise lock. And then he kicks them in the butt. And then they, you know, sell their butts and I'm, stuff. I'm, so. I'm, uh, you, I'm skipping. I would, I I, if, you're, if you're a kingdom guy and you love the balloon, I would skip this one, maybe. I would skip this one, maybe. It was a lot of paradise lock and a lot of butt humor. So maybe you might want to move on to this one then. So, but, you know, it's fine. It was high energy or whatnot. It's exactly what we said with the, the, the kingdom. But yeah, I, I, uh, 
I don't hate them, but I I sort of have to play it up because I fucking hate the gimmick and I think it's like really lame. So and the balloons annoy the hell out of me. So that's like the, the problem is they were like up in the arena because when I went to the TV tapings, like I felt bad. Like they were just up in the arena for like you know the rest of the day, and then at one point one of them sunk into like the middle of the ring during a match, and like, I I don't know. I think they had to like cut for a second. It was just like these fucking balloons are just like annoying. Get these fucking balloons out of here. What the hell are they doing here? But yeah, it's uh, I would skip it if I were you. But it was all right. I I it was fine for the eleven minutes or whatever. So it was in Baltimore at the uh, UMBC Arena where the uh, UMBC basketball team played. That's the Division One squad. So was that was that the one that that had that little title uh, that little run recently, or what was it? What, That's Maryland Baltimore County. Is that the one that I was trying to remember if that was the one that had their little run? Like what was it last year or this? It was it this most they, recent they, year. They play in the MIAC. So uh, this show drew twenty five hundred fans, which uh, was the fourth largest crowd in the history of Ring of Honor. And keep in mind. Two of those that were ahead of it were WrestleMania weekend shows. Of course, this past year, they were drew 6,000 fans. And the year before, with the Young Bucks and the Hardys and the ladder match, uh, which drew, what was that, 4,500, right? I think, I I think, it was think so, yeah, somewhere in that range. So 4,500 for that show, 6,000 for, and so 2,500 fans. This is their fourth largest crowd in history. So this, this show was a business success with Cody, Squirrel, and Dalton Castle on top, and the Young Bucks and the Briscoes in the semi. And I don't think there's enough people talking about that. No, I you know it's weird. Like Ring of Honor business has just kind of become like, and they're just out there like having decent crowds all over the country. And like whether I love the, the TV or not, or I love the storylines or whatnot, like you cannot deny that they're they're growing at a at a. I mean, yeah, this is their fourth largest show ever. You know, it just like casually happens. It's not you know? slowing down. Right. It's just like oh yeah, fourth largest show ever. Whatever. And like and for all intents and purposes, this is arguably I don't like. I don't want, maybe it's a little bit hyperbole, but when you add in the fact that a lot of them were, the other ones were WrestleMania weekend shows or had a bunch of New Japan talent on there, this is a pretty remarkable thing because there wasn't those guys. This was as ring as pure Ring of Honor as there has been in, in, in months and years, really. Yeah. This, other than LIJ, but they were in the under, you know, they were nothing and it wasn't even like Naito was there. Sure. It was the, it was. They didn't, yeah, they didn't, yeah, no Naito, so evil's not drawn 2,500 mm. people. This was the largest crowd in the history of the company for a show specifically drawn with ROH uh, contracts. Right, Castle Cody and, and Scroll. No Okada, no you know Omega, none of those guys. No, I mean, yeah, that's, right. that's... Hardys, nothing, you know. It, oh, right, so yeah, the Hardys, this, of course, yeah. Yeah, so this was the largest crowd in the history of the company for a pure Ring of Honor show, fourth largest in history uh, altogether. So the business momentum for Ring of Honor just continues. And I, I, I honestly, I look, it's like I really don't think that that aspect of it uh, was talked about enough. Um, so uh, that's the other thing about the show. Now, overall, it sounds like you liked the show overall. It sounds like there was only really one match that you didn't like on the entire show. Yeah, no, it was that way. I mean, it was it was the flip and bully ray, and like I said, it was it was quick and it was it was like newsworthy. You know what I mean? Like I hated it. It sucked, but it wasn't like. It wasn't boring at any point. It was just something that you were sort of like, ah, you, you know, like I was angry about it. Then I was ranting and I was like tweeting stuff out or whatever. So it's one of those ones where it sucks, but it sucks so much that like it got you passionate or whatnot. So may, I I guess to an extent the Bully Ray thing is working, but like, it, there, I don't know. There's there's levels to it. Like, I don't know that I necessarily want to be hating that I'm wasting my time with it, but it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, if that's the lone bad match is that thing that was still newsworthy and still had you really, you know, amped up or whatever, really good show top to bottom. And this is, one of the better Ring of Honor pay-per-views I've seen in quite a while. And, like, nothing maybe got to, it, depending on your, your mileage on Briscoe's uh, bucks, I don't think anything got to match at the year level, but there was some really, really, really good stuff top to bottom, and, and nothing really bad. So that's, you know, that's good. You had, you had two matches, four stars or better. So right. Bell to bell. Yeah. Seems like it was a show, and then everything else was in the three range, it sounds like. And I usually am pretty down on ROH pay-per-views, too. I mean, more times than not, I'm like, yeah, you know, that was all right. There might be one match that I enjoy. 
more times than I, I think they're kind of bad. So this was uh, this definitely bucked the trend. It's a couple matches I'm going to have to get to now. So if you ever shower, or brush your teeth, or make your hair look presentable, I've got great news for you, Rich. Ooh, Rich. okay, tell. You tell. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to get ready in the bathroom. You name it, whether it's shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, or even the famous one-wipe Charlies that will leave your tushy feeling tingly clean. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top-shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. We promise you'll feel the difference because we have. We use them. Shipping is included with your membership. For just 5 bucks today, you can try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's amazing products. You'll get their Daily Essential Starter Set. What does that come with, Rich? Are you wondering? I, I'm dying to know, Joe. Are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me, aren't you? It comes with yes. the body cleanser. It comes with the One Wipe Charlies. It comes with the world-famous Shave Butter, and it comes with their best razor, the only one that'll touch Joe Lanza's face, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for just a few bucks more a month. Add in the shampoo, the toothpaste, anything else you need for the bathroom. You can check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. And I guess, what do we do here? Should we transition to... Well, I was going to... I guess be- we should do New Japan. Oh, I was going to say, the best transition is our deathmatch. <laughs> match after you want to do that? Right, let's, let's do that then. Blades let's and do- razors and, you know, yeah. Let's, let's- oh, man, you know, it, you know what? I should have just let you roll with that because for once, <laughs> you had a... You had a- <laughs> You had a beautiful transition, and I stepped all over you, and I okay. blew it. But you're right. I thought you were going you that were direction. Just... I thought for sure. I was like, let's go. I scroll down. I'm looking at the dock. I'm ready to go. And then you're like, let's talk about New Japan. No. <laughs> Come on. You just Very about... slow. I, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> uh... but you're right. We just finished talking about razors. So let's move on to more razors. And that's this incredible Big Japan death match. That we both watched. I cannot. What, what a bizarre world. Right, right now, Joe, just the second topic on our show, hour two, leading off basically hour two, Joe says the spectacular Big Japan deathmatch on this yeah, show. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I got to tell you, I know we've both been keeping one eye on Hideki Suzuki and his adventures in Big Japan with a strong title, which we have not. Yeah, been my other eye is closed because I'm falling asleep, but yeah, that's yeah. Correct. But it's really, and I, but, but I've watched a lot of the deathmatch stuff. You jumped in for this match because it became sort of a must-see match based on the early reviews from people. There there were people throwing five stars at this. There were people saying that this was their match of the year to this point. So it became a match that really you had to watch. So we finally got Krejci to watch a death match. I had watched some of the um, uh, Masashi Takeda is the champion there and the guy that we're going to talk about. I had watched a couple of the other death matches on the recommendation of our, uh, of our, of our, of our death match crew. Uh, our guys who do the uh, what's the name of our podcast? Uh, Burning Spirits. Yeah, yeah, the Burning Spirits podcast. They've been pushing me to watch these uh, Takeda matches, and I did watch a couple of them. I watched the Abdullah Kobayashi one from, uh, which was on the same show as the Hideki Suzuki Daisuke Sekamoto draw, which was awful. Do not waste your time on that. It was a fucking bore fest. Uh, it may have been the, the the show with the tag where they set up the Suzuki um, Nomura title match, which also took. That's neither here nor there. The point here is these Masashi Takeda death matches have been carrying Big Japan. Not only from a match quality standpoint, but Rich, they've also headlined over Suzuki on nearly every show. Uh, they've, been, they've been headlining the death match stuff over the strong stuff, and uh, for very good reason. Now, he defended here against Asami Kodaka, who 
our listeners may be familiar with because I think about two years ago, I had him tab as the wrestler of the year through like the first quarter yes. of 2016. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and he was. He was awesome. He was fucking awesome. DDT, um, yeah. You know, so yeah, DDT, uh, Big Japan, obviously, which we're going to talk about. A lot, Some other sleaze indies that he works. Uh, but he's an excellent wrestler who, who pops up uh, every now and again, a match like this that becomes a must must watch match must must watch match. Got marbles in my mouth here. Uh, so this was the main event. It was in Corken Hall. Underneath was Hideki Suzuki versus Takeo Nomura, which I will we will talk about. Did you watch that match? You know, I didn't. I have not watched that one yet. But uh, you you said it was fine, so maybe I have to. Yeah, we'll touch on that briefly after we talk about the death match, and maybe I could talk you into watching it. But as far as this death match goes, um, Rich. I- I, I, you know, I'm not sure where you stand. I know you liked it. I don't know how much you liked it. This, by the way, was Takeda's seventh successful defense. There are people pushing for Takeda as a wrestler of the year. <laughs> yeah, hey. and, I, and I have to tell you, he doesn't have any chance of winning, okay, first of all. But I don't think that's without merit that he deserves consideration. He's held this title forever. His matches are always over with that crowd, if not over with everyone like this one was. He's drawing in relation to his own, to his home promotion. He's a, he's the clear headliner. He's the clear star of the promotion. I would not kill you if you had him in your top ten, top five, top three for wrestler of the year right now. I can't kill you for it. I wouldn't have him there personally. I don't think it's crazy though. I think he's certainly someone who's worthy of being in the conversation. I did a solo show a few weeks ago. And he didn't come up in, in the conversation. Of course, that was before this match, before the uh, Abdullah match. But, but I, I don't think that's crazy because he is having an excellent run. And, and let's face it, I know they got the two world. He's the top guy in the company. Would you agree with that? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And if you look at, at the business aspect too, yeah, he absolutely is. Yeah, he's the top guy in the company right now. But as far as this match goes, Cork and Hall, uh, this was the headline match. And Rich, to me, and I was a big deathmatch guy in the mid-90s when FMW Wing and IWA Japan uh, were at their peak, uh, uh, you know, and 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 ECW was borrowing a lot of those concepts, and death matches were hot, and I was big into the tape trading scene then, and I think that death matches are a phase that every fan goes through, and you either stick with it or you don't. I did not stick with it, and I have not followed the death match scene closely, probably for twenty years. I will pop in every now and then when somebody recommends a match uh, like this one. I'll watch a couple death matches a year, but it's largely something that I don't pay a ton of attention to. I've paid more attention to death matches because of Takeda than I have since probably 1996. So that should tell you uh, what this guy's doing. This match, though, and I was heavy into death match for maybe a five-year period 20 years ago and, and, and keeping up loosely since then. This is the greatest death match I've ever seen. Um, and, and, and it's just because, and I gave this five stars, by the way. This is a five-star match. Uh, in my opinion. I saw you drop the five. That's wow. I I'm... I dropped the five on it because I watched this match. Yeah. And what I saw was something unbelievable that I've never seen before executed to perfection. Um, there were a couple yeah, I moments. I can't hate you for that. I can't. I mean, it was. And yeah. It, so, it, so if you give me something I've never seen right. before executed at that level. I'm sorry to me when the match was over, I didn't have to think about it. That was a five star match. This was a this was not a great death match. What this was was a great pro wrestling match that happened to have panes of glass, light tubes, ladders, and a fucking nail board. 
But make no mistake, this was a great match which just happened to contain those elements. These guys wrestled. I don't know what other way to describe this. They wrestled. Remember a couple years ago in the G1 when they were every match was like twelve a twelve minute sprint. Yeah, right, right. This was like one of those G1 mini epic sprints where from the opening bell to the final pin, the pace never slowed. They went a thousand miles per hour. Uh, they 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 did not rely on the deathmatch aspects of it. That was just to me an addition. Right. I, I think I think that's match. an important distinction as well because there are plenty of matches where people will say, "Oh, this is the you know the greatest death match I've ever seen," or "This one's awesome." And I watch, and it feels very deathmatchy to me. It, it feels like, yeah, all right, whatever. Like maybe it is the greatest death match ever, you know, to, in your mind or whatever. For me, I don't necessarily love that style of wrestling, but I love good matches if they just so happen to be death matches. So be it. And this is that's exactly where I came away with this one. Or you know, earlier when I went to Game Changer Wrestling a few or a month or so ago. Uh, that Joey Janela, um, why am I blanking on it? Uh, who the hell the other guy was? Why am I blanking on this? I don't know who he wrestled. Oh my I'll god! No, I know who it is. Why am I blanking? It was incredible. I'll make your point. I'll save. Ah, uh, god save damn it! Um, oh, I feel like I'm, I feel like a real asshole that I don't remember who this is. Was it Cyclope? Uh, it was Cyclope. Of course, it was fucking Cyclope. So yeah, I mean, it was like that was even if they didn't have thumbtacks, that match would have ruled. You know what I mean? Like there, it, it was yeah. just that that added another element to that match. Like it was the intensity. It was the the drama, it was that that sort of hooked me. And the fact that somebody had a flaming foot, you know, filled with thumbtacks was just a secondary part of it. It obviously helps it. It enhances it. But that's how it was with this match. Is the way I was done with this match. I said, that was an awesome match that so happened to have light tubes. Because I'm not a big hit each other with light tubes. I'm not a big, you know, carve the guy. I, I'm not a big deathmatch guy. But this match never felt like a deathmatch to me. Like you said, it felt like a sprint that had light tubes. That had... Uh, the bird spikes or whatever the hell those things were or whatever. It had those sort of elements to it, but it's still, even if it didn't have those, I feel like it would have been a spectacular wrestling match. Yeah, that's the thing. And and I think what happens a lot of times with death matches is guys who fall into death match in big Japan, when they get their young boys and eventually it comes a time, the company has to decide and the wrestler has to decide, am I going strong or am I going death? And, uh, you know, maybe some people don't want to hear this, but the shittier wrestlers usually get it because it's easier. Um, in the United States, you look at, you know, peak CZW when they were peak into the deathmatch thing, which, you know, they have their ebbs and flows of what their company is. But, you know, a lot of the deathmatch wrestlers in CZW were basically one step above yarders. They're out there wrestling in jeans and, you know, a wife beater. And they they weren't great wrestlers, and they, they're deathmatch guys because they's not any good. Right. Well, one guy that that sort of risen, and, and he was locally was was Marcus Crane, who was a guy who wrestled for years and years and years at AEW and all like kind of local Chicago Indies and and, and and local Midwest Indies, but was just never got any better, and now has gotten sort of a revitalization in, in Game Changer and other places, being a deathmatch guy, and and more power to him. He's found it, and now he's main eventing with Nick Gage at, at those shows, and now he's a big deal in kind of the deathmatch scene where he told the way for six years or whatever on the indie wrestling scene, which so more power to him. He realized, hey, look, this is not really working. I'm going to change things up a little bit, and, and he's moved on. But like you said, he's one of those guys that, that I feel like is a great example. A guy who trained you know, normally, just never quite got it, was not very athletic, just couldn't really get his body right, couldn't get his gimmick right, and, and, and worked and worked and worked and worked, and eventually just said, ah, oh, fuck, I'm just going to dive off things and hit each other with light tubes, and now he's good. He's a big deal in the deathmatch scene, so good for him. Yeah. It's, you know... Normally, guys that are in the U.S. deathmatch scene, if they have anything else to bring to the table, eventually they stop doing deathmatch. Right. Because, you know, why would you do that if you don't have to? 
um, and and the guys that keep doing death match that you know these and some you know and it's just it's it, it to me death match is the lowest form of pro wrestling and you know that might annoy some people too but it does it to me it's it's the easiest form of pro wrestling to be good at um you know and and it, it's it's the lowest form of pro wrestling with that said i'm setting up a point here takeda and kodaka are great wrestlers so what you had here was two great wrestlers in the context of a death match and they ended up having a great pro wrestling match with the trappings of a death match surrounding them which is why this was so different and so great um now to go back to my other point I'm not saying that every deathmatch wrestler is just a, 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 a shitty... But I, I do believe, and I do firmly believe, that it's the easiest style to be good at. I do believe that. And I, it, it, it would be probably be impossible to change my mind. I've had that debate with some people, but I really do believe it's the, the easiest style to excel in would be deathmatch, because you have so many shortcuts. But I don't think... I think there's very few deathmatch wrestlers who can do what these two guys did because they went in there and had a great match in the context of that. the stuff that they were doing was was just was just at the pace they were doing it was just phenomenal. Now there are some complaints. Oh, you know the light tubes. Uh, you know they're hitting themselves with the light tubes. The light tubes aren't aren't treated as something menacing. I don't buy that in this case because number one, the psychology has changed over the years. That's number one. Number two. The opening spot of the match was them breaking light tubes on themselves because they were trying to one up the other guy and right. show the other guy this is how fucking tough I am, and 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 it set the tone for the match really that opening spot where they both busted the light tubes over their own heads and then just fucking went at it immediately like two charging bulls. So I didn't have a problem with the light tubes not having as much impact. I can totally see somebody dropping into this match after not watching a death match for ten years. And seeing something that they do not remember in terms of, but look, styles change. Everything in wrestling evolves and changes. And deathmatch has evolved and changed like everything else. And light tubes are just treated differently now. It's, it's just, you know, so, and I'm not telling you that you're wrong for observing it that way. If you, if you think that that's uh, a negative uh, in, in this match, but it, it's like any other style of wrestling. It's like, look, it's, it's. We talk about it all time. Wrestling's in a constant state of evolution, and and no genre of wrestling is immune to that. Right, and I think the no sell argument. This sounds very similar. If we took out the names to an argument, we would have about a Tomohiro Ishii G one match, where like you know, completely agree. They'll hit each other in the head and 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 you know headbutt each other, and then just come right back at it. And it's like, well, yeah, they're not selling. They're not selling. But sometimes in the context of a match, and like you said, the opening. I think the opening spot being. That you they establish that these two dudes are fucking idiots that are in you know we talk about it the dick measuring contest they grab light tubes and go boom boom and then go okay let's fucking go like I I and and, and I could totally believe that in especially in the deathmatch setting that these guys are fucking idiots and that's like what they would do is be like you know they'd hit each other over the head to get the bleeding going and be like all right let's do this like I'm gonna prove that I'm stronger than you or I'm big, bigger than you or better than you so to me like I, the, the no selling in that sense I, it doesn't bother me that much and there was a point too there was a point earlier in the match or, or later in the match I should say where they hit a few, you know, bombs on each other, I forget the moves exactly, and then they get up, and, and, and it was very much like a classic New Japan, you know, trading bombs no-sell spot, but like they do in New Japan a lot of times, and a lot of times when we sort of defend it, is they might no-sell one move, but then after that next move, they fall down and they collapse. It's like I had enough adrenaline to shake that move off, but I don't have the adrenaline to just keep going. I have enough adrenaline for one more move, one more thing, 
one more whatever, but that's it. Then I'm going to fall down. And that's what they did in this match. It was like they did a bunch of stuff. They would no-sell stuff, but it all led to eventually them sort of selling it. Maybe they don't sell it in the moment. Maybe they don't sell it that second, but the pain eventually got to them. No matter what was happening, eventually it would get to them. So it wasn't just like they just hit each other over the head for, for 10 minutes and nothing meant anything. Maybe they didn't sell one shot or one thing happening in that exact moment, but it led to something a minute later where they would collapse or fall or then when they had a minute of, of, of safety or a minimum of a, a minute to, sort of to themselves, then they would sort of slag onto the ropes and, and, and breathe heavily and do that sort of stuff. So that never bothers me. It doesn't bother me when it happens to Japan either, but you have to establish certain guys can get away with that. Certain matches can get away with that. You have, have to establish yourself as that sort of guy. Tomoro Ishii is a perfect example of a guy that we all believe is such a, 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 a stone-headed, the stone-headed pit bull. He's, sometimes he's just dumb as fuck and does stupid stuff. And sometimes that's no-selling, or, or Will Ospreay is a guy, too, who will sometimes just no-sell stuff, but it does catch up to them. Eventually, it does become an issue to, for them. So it doesn't bother me all that much. But you have to establish yourself as that. In this match, though, opening bell, they hit each other with light tubes. They already established that these guys are idiots. You know what I mean? These guys are morons, and, and normal pain does not matter to them. They're not avoiding light tube shops. They're doing it to themselves. So you know that they're kind of a different breed. So no, I, it, it didn't bother me on that sense, for that exact reason that you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, look, I you know... I, I come from an era with like Mitsuhiro Matsunaga and people like that. Um, you know, it's like it, death matches were different back then. You know, it, you know, like peak FMW. Oh yeah, they were they were building to an explosion that everybody would lay down for ten minutes or whatever, which was awesome. That stuff ruled, but like you know, <laughs> and, and 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 I agree. It's like and and they would say, look, that's why this match was so different, though. This that's why I say this was worked at a pace that I've never seen in a death match and I know Takeda has done similar matches before I've watched them uh the ones that he's had this year but he's he's this was just another level and because I had never seen a death match worked like this um you know and then there was the one scissors you know scissors did make an appearance but this was really just um I, I don't know how else to describe it other than if if you know the best to our listeners other than this was like this was like a G1 sprint with weapons. I don't yeah. know how else to describe it. It was just something that I'd never fucking seen before. And because it was, and look, as soon as I was done with it, I thought to myself, okay, there are issues with the selling here that I know are going to bother some people, but they didn't bother me. And you know, a lot of it was for the reasons that you just described. Um, I didn't see it as they were just no selling to get to the next spot because they don't know how to work. Um, that kind of no selling bothers me. I thought they were no selling some of the stuff for the reasons that you said. It was just the, the this was the story they were setting out to tell. The story they were setting out to tell was they were going to work a million miles per hour, and 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 just it, it would, basically the match was a lo- was one long adrenaline dump. And there were moments in the match, like you said, where they both collapsed after you know because this had everything. This had great strikes. This had fucking yeah. knees to the face. This had suplexes is that throws and oh by the way it had some of the most mental ladder spots you'd ever see uh it had God, all of the ladder was so big all of a sudden I, I look away for a minute and then i look back and is on top of like this fucking 40 foot ladder I'm like what the hell are you doing yeah Jesus. and it's and great because you'd see all the young boys run in and steady yeah. the ladder and it's like you knew something disgusting was about to happen and then the nail board came out at the end and, and he took the bump on his stomach on that nail board and it's just you know, it was just a nonstop fucking thrill from bell to bell. And when I was done watching it, I, I had been entertained like I hadn't been entertained in a long time because, you know, the 
the Okada Omega match, I gave that five stars, but for very different reasons. You you know what I mean? This was just a a a, a visual mind fuck of a match where, and it wasn't just and 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 again, it wasn't like the AAA openers with those kids where it's just a collection of spots that you're blown away by. To me, they they did tell a story and they did have a great fucking match. You know, on top of all the deathmatch shit, it, it just. I can't recommend it enough. I mean, I think everyone listening, if you haven't seen it, you need to go out of your way to find this match and watch it. It's, it's, it, listen, you may not think it's a five-star match. You may not think it's great. You may not like death matches. You might not like the blood, but there's no way you will watch this and not appreciate the effort that they put in and some of the mental shit that they worked into this thing while basically just having a great pro wrestling right. match. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of where, I guess I've, I've, I've sort of turned the corner a little bit on, on death matches in that sense, and maybe going to Game Changer sort of helped, is that now I, I have a different respect for some of these guys, like the, the top-end dudes, the guys that I think are really good at it and, yeah. and, and, and convey a little bit more. Like, I'm never going to get into your, your, your Nate Webb is never going to, you know, hook me. You, you know, your Matt Tremont is probably never going to hook me. These, these guys that, that I really kind of think suck as pro wrestlers, like, you know, sorry. Like, I'm just saying, like, you know, whether you, you, you agree or disagree or whatever, I think a lot of, a lot of those guys kind of suck at wrestling and they get by. Yeah, you're, on, not gonna, the, you're not going to, you're not going to go back. You're not going to go back into the CZW catalog and look up brain damage matches. Is what right. Exactly. Yeah. But like, if I know a guy is a good pro wrestler, Kodaku, I know is a good wrestler. Takeda, who I'm not, you know, all on board with, I understand. And I can respect that. He's a great wrestler. Janelle is a, you know, a guy, you know, sequel pay was when I went to that, you know, even a Nick Gage is a guy that, that I respect on a certain level. Cause I understand that he is doing something that's very good. He's got the aspects down. He's not a guy that's just relying on, on, on whatever. But when I see those sort of guys, this is one where you, when, when it's all done, you sort of respect the craft a little bit. And I never thought I would get to that level with that match wrestling. I always thought I kind of looked down upon it, but I've gotten to that level a little bit. And it, it, it's interesting. And it's opened up a little bit more. I mean, like, I as we're talking right now, Game Changer just announced uh, <laughs> Tadeke is uh, he's coming to uh, Chicago as well. And now I'm kind of feeling like I have to go to that show now. They're coming, they're coming back to Chicago, Game Changer. And now, and he's going to be there. So I feel like I kind of have to go now, right? I think you're probably going to go. Damn it. I guess I got to go. This there, is a so. deathmatch. I'm a deathmatch guy. <laughs> I got to send you my FMW tapes now. I've seen, I've seen a lot of that. So I, I liked I had a little period where I was into that too. And I, every so yeah, often man. I enjoy a good, I enjoy a good, like old you school. You haven't lived until you know. you've seen, you know, Horace Boulder. In a yeah. I, you know, every so often you like, in a, you know, so they're, they're kind of, you can put them on in the background. And they're fine. You know, sometimes I like, like, you know, a floating, exploding deathmatch. You know, I love the exploding deathmatches. Those are always kind of fun to put on. And... Yeah. Uh, so the, Semi-main event, Hideki, or our, our pal Hideki Suzuki, who always seems to come up on this show, defended against his protege Nomura. Um, I went about three and a half on it. I saw some people go as high as four and a half. So this is a mat. Look, if I'm giving a Hideki Suzuki match three and a half stars, it's probably worth your time. What I liked about this Hideki Suzuki match, and this was the best Hideki Suzuki match that I've seen in, in maybe ever. I mean, I you know I feel like I'm maybe forgetting something. There were other Hideki Suzuki matches we've liked over the years. But um, what I liked about this one was, uh, you know, I especially like this if it is building to the story I think it's building to. Because he gave Nomura just enough in this match to where this was the perfect build towards Nomura eventually beating him. This was not a self-contained match. This feels like a match that's part of a larger story, and it should be. Now, it's Big Japan, and you can't count on their booking at all. Um, So... That's an obvious problem right out of the gate. Big Japan is poorly booked. So who knows if the follow-up, uh, you know, or, or the long-term direction, who knows if they'll, if, they'll, if they'll follow up properly. You can't count on them, though, to do so. And you can't really count on Suzuki. Suzuki's kind of a flake. Um, 
I understand Nomura is his protege, but he might decide that because he's nuts and the promotion is not booked well. So, but if if we are working under the assumption that eventually Nomura is going to be the guy to knock him off and win that title from him, this and and also the tag match that they did to set this up and this match were nice logical steps moving in that direction, and it was worked exactly how it should have been if they are moving in that direction where Suzuki was just dominant enough to not show enough cracks, but he, but he showed just enough cracks mm-hmm. to where you're like, you know what? Nomura is eventually going to get this guy. And when he does, it's going to be a great moment. So they told that story very well. I will say that. Um, and I do think, you know, I wouldn't send you to a Hideki Suzuki match. <laughs> no, don't do this, Joe, unless you're, but, but I do think that you will, you will, have a very just knowing your taste and talking to you for years and years. You, I think you'll have a similar read on this one. Okay, and I think and I like, the, like, and I like Nomura. I like I like Nomura a lot too. And Nomura's so. great. I mean, yeah. he you know he's a big time prospect. And I do think, look, they've got other guys in this company that I was never sold on, the Kamatani's and people like that. They they fucking they're not anything. But Nomura is legit, and I do think he's a guy that they should handle with kid gloves, build up properly, and eventually build that division around. He's the guy. And Suzuki is the perfect guy for him to eventually be. So, but you can't, it's, it's, it's so hard. It is so hard to trust big Japan's booking because it's so scatterbrained and so shitty. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do recommend, uh, and it's a short match. It's not long. I think it's like, it's only like a 10 minute match. Okay. So, you know, it, it's, and which is all it needed to be for, for, you know, the story they were telling and, and, um, and those sorts of things. So, uh, well worth your time. Now I you know I didn't watch the rest of the show, but I did watch those two matches, and uh, you know I, you know look it was it was the most fun I've had watching Big Japan in a long time because Hideki Suzuki delivered. All right, yeah, I'll check it out. I mean I like I, like I said, Nomura is definitely a guy that that I think you mentioned it at the top, and I, and I was a guy who always enjoyed Kamatani as well, but that just kind of wandered. For... He's not an ace. Come on. Yeah, no, I know. We we kind of thought he was maybe. Kamatani's I mean, not an ago, ace. He was going to get there. Not. And, yeah, I mean, he's he a guy. He's he didn't fuck, step he's up. A... Yeah, he, he was. He had a T Hawk kind of thing where it was like you could see it. You kind of knew, and then when he got like it was just you were waiting and waiting, 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 and eventually you're just like, all right, you're not the guy. Then okay, sorry, <laughs> like, move on, next guy. All right, like you're not like the T Hawk. Da- like, you know, Daishi Hashim- of- oh god, Daishi Hashimoto. He's oh. not a he's not a guy. Fucking you know, stinks. it's like fucking stinks. But yeah, Nomura is definitely a, 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 the guy that that, that looks at. So no, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, you would never you would never steer me in the direction of a Hideki Suzuki match. So yeah, that's that's that, that that's. That's high praise, for sure. So I'll definitely check it out. See, we're fair here. Yeah, we don't like deathmatch, but we just got we just got done re- telling you, if we like it, we like it. We're, ne- we're never going to lie to you. If we like something, we like it. If we hate it, we hate it. You know? It's, it's, uh, what you're getting on this? Deki Suzuki. So, yeah. You know, we're fair. Fair. That's a good... That's what we've always prided ourselves on is the fairness. All right. Uh, you want to get into New Japan here a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, we bumped New Japan for Big Japan. So what does that tell you about <laughs> right, that? Right, I know. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Ring of that, Honor, <laughs> Big Japan. That fucking death match, that might finish top three for me. I fucking love wow, that match. okay, yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I don't know if it's in my match of the year, but it's, man, I mean, I, there's there's a realistic chance that I have two death matches that I have to, like, rewatch at the end of the year for my top ten. Like, you know what I mean? That Janela sequel play was, it was 100% absolutely in the mix for me. And 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 this one, like maybe on the outer end, but I fucking adored it too. Like I could not keep my eyes off it. I watched this thing twice too. It was like you know it was over, and I was like you know this is a high. I want to go on this high again, and I rewatched it like you know an hour later, 
and it man it's it, it is yeah go out of your way and watch it we, we got we got dave fucking Meltzer to watch it so you better fucking watch it so the the, the problem for me is if deathmatch isn't great it's joke right right it's it's got to be great if it's not great i'm i'm over it in like the first three minutes of the match if it's just a a, a, a collection of okay let's move on to the next stunt let's move on to the next gross thing let me stick this fork in your forehead let me stick these fucking bamboo sticks in your head and see if they like I I that does nothing for me. Yeah, this this match. I mean, like you said, it was just like a, a, a twelve minute G one sprint that just so happened to have light tubes in it, and and a, and a ladder, <laughs> you know, some nuts guys or whatever. But no, it was pretty awesome. So no, definitely go out of your way and check it out. And like I said, we got we got Dave Meltzer to watch it, so you should probably watch it too. You tweet you tweeted at Dave and said watch this, and he said give me the link. So I don't know. Hopefully you watch it. I haven't listened to any of his audio or whatnot. I don't know. He's he's cut off Brian's SmackDown either. review to to talk about it yet, but maybe I don't know. Yeah, I yeah I don't know either, but I didn't read the Observer yet either, so I don't know if he wrote it. It wasn't in the Observer, yeah, it wasn't in the Observer, but uh, I'm hoping some Observer audio. He's he just like cuts Brian off and just talks about it for 15 minutes, but we'll see. So we got a lot of New Japan to talk about. We have the Cow Palace show coming up this weekend, of course. We have uh, Harold May uh, made some statements and talked about the latest New Japan World numbers. Um, and Kenny Omega booked a pedo. So, um, you know, I don't know where you want to start. I did not see the CEO show. Um, but obviously the big story there is not the show itself. It is the controversy surrounding it. You want to just knock that out of the way and then, we'll uh, yeah, I guess. Stuff and, yeah, we should. Um, so Kenny Omega, uh, books, uh, well, well, okay, let, let's, let's frame it this way. So the show starts late on Twitch. I did not watch any of the show. Did you see any of the show? I haven't seen. I haven't seen a, a, a single part of it. Where where can you see it though? I know you were hunting for it earlier. Did you ever actually get it? Well, it's not on New Japan World. Um, it's not on New Japan World yet. I don't know if it's going to be on New Japan World. I have no idea. Um, but I guess you can. I haven't tried to watch it on Twitch. I got to be honest. I'm not real psyched about watching this show. It's not high on my list. I have got a pile of wrestling. I'm going to get to it eventually if I can. But um, I didn't put in a ton of effort. So, you know, this is a bad job out of me because I didn't research it. But I could tell you straight up it's not on New Japan World. The Rev Pro shows are now up on New Japan World, though. They're there. Uh, this show is not. Uh, but the big controversy was the show starts late and the first match, a pre-show dark match, is Aaron Epic against uh, Chase and Rance. So Aaron Epic is is uh, somebody who... Um, I, I knew nothing about Aaron Epic before this. I... Is the first I ever even heard of Aaron Epic. Supposedly, he's a domestic abuser, and uh, but the bigger story, since no one really, hey, you really got not, not pretty... to not to cut you off here real quick. But if you go to Twitch and you go to CEO Gaming, so twitchtv gaming, the whole thing is up there uh, to watch. Okay, so, so it's free to watch. You just click the right, just so because I knew we were going to get a six thousand tweets if we kept going on. So I know they're probably tweeting at us anyway. But yes, we have found it. It is on the CEO Gaming. Sorry, we should have known that before. But like you said, thousands of other hours of wrestling we had to consume, and, and this one just didn't make it. It's a five-match show. I'll get to it eventually, probably long after anyone cares about it. But the, but the big story, like I said, is the controversy surrounding it. Uh, Aaron Epic, I knew nothing about. Apparently, he's a domestic abuser of some type. Uh, Chase and Rance, though, was the guy who everybody knows about. He, of course, is a registered sex offender. He had sex with a teenager, a 15-year-old uh, girl, and he has been a registered sex offender since, I think, since 2010. It's pretty well known, all without all within you know wrestling circles, uh, that he is a registered sex offender. Of course, he runs a wrestling school in Florida. He rents his ring to a million different promotions, including uh, renting the ring or allowing the CEO show to use their ring here, which is how he ended up in the pre 
potential match. Uh, people went correct crazy. me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. If it, they did a lot of stuff too when they were in Orlando, right? When the WrestleMania weekend was in Orlando, what was it two years ago? Yes. They, I, I remember Team Vision Dojo had a ton of stuff at their facility, and I assume people used their rings and stuff. I don't know that they did though, for sure. I, I again, yeah, that year in Orlando, that or whatever. When there were a billion shows, a lot of them were at their dojo. Yeah, and a right, lot of right. those shows get got canceled because of lack of interest. Yeah, but but they, you know, you know, he's. A lot of people have used his ring. There's a somewhat major promotion right now that I was told use uh, currently use his ring, mm-hmm. which if they are, they should probably stop. I'm not going to say who it is because I can't confirm for sure, but someone told me that this promotion uses his ring, and it'd probably be a good idea to fucking stop doing that. Right. That, a uh, very good idea to stop doing that right now and get your own ring. Yeah. And, you <laughs> know, if I had solid yeah. confirmation, I'm not, not naming them because I'm a coward. I just don't want to throw someone under the bus if it's not true. But if it is true, they should probably stop using this fucking ring. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, they came out for the opener and, and people went nuts. They're like, what the fuck is going on here? How did these guys get on the show? Obviously it then became, you know, became obvious that they were probably using their ring. Uh, Kenny Omega wakes up in the morning. I assume to a million nasty tweets. Uh, a lot of them were saying that he supports pedophiles. A lot of them were calling him a pedophile. And I'm sure when he woke up in the morning and saw that it was uh, very frustrating, very annoying. And his reaction to all of this was not good initially. Um, he was a bit defensive. Uh, some would argue he was very defensive. Uh, he claimed that his initial claim was he had met Rance in 2004, uh, did not know about the charges against him. I think where Kenny went wrong initially is uh, in his initial string of tweets, and I'm paraphrasing, um, he was saying that the uh, Rance and his students and, and, and people from the school were being very respectful all week and they were hard workers and those sorts of things. I now see, I think people took that part of it the wrong way. A lot of people were saying, ah, Kenny, nobody gives a fuck. Well, yeah, what he was saying was he didn't know about the guy's past and there were no tip offs that they were bad people. That's all he was saying. He was right, but some people, I and I get why, because people get a little upset when like yes. there's a criminal and people are like, well, yeah, but he, you know, does good stuff in the community. You know what I mean? Like that sort of like. Yeah, but, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, there's no buts in this case. If it's a, a, I agree, it's, but right. I don't that, think that's... that's... I, I see. I know. I, I, and again, My I, personal opinion, I don't think that's why Omega added all that stuff in. I don't think he was making a case for Chase and Rance. Right, 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 right. I think what he was saying was, hey, I didn't know about this guy's history, and there were really no tip-offs because they were all, uh, you know, polite and everything. I, but, but Right, he, he got caught up in the weekend, me. and these guys were helping yes. out and said, okay, yeah, get in there, do whatever, and, and didn't do his due diligence and, and, and whatnot. Is is his sort of story. I'm not taking yes. any sides on this. Thankfully, I was in Toronto when all this was going down. I yeah, sort of looking a little bit on now. Twitter, but I'm trying to catch up. So I'm obviously not taking sides. Of course, I'm on the side of, of you know, not booking pedophiles. Of course, that's my side or domestic abusers. But but sort of understanding, you know, what was going on in the context of this and who, you know, who who did wrong on this and, and, and what level, you know, of, of criticism people should get, particularly uh, uh, Kenny and, and, and CEO, of course. Yeah. Now, I now I think. I think that's why people jumped on Kenny for going down that road. I just don't think he meant it the way that people thought he did. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, um, he, he apologized at that point, but then he put out a longer statement later on, which was a much better statement, which probably is what he should have started with to begin with. But I can understand, not that I'm defending the way he handled it, because he handled it very poorly, but as someone who has been deluged by shit, on Twitter and waking up to stuff, 
which, which probably isn't a fraction of what he faced, being who he is. But we've been faced with that, and it's very frustrating. And you want to bite back, and you want to defend yourself. I can kind of see why he handled it poorly um, at the start, because I can kind of relate uh, to, to sort of the deluge of shit that he was probably faced with. But he should have taken a deep breath, had a cup of coffee, jogged around the block, came back in the house, and handled it the way he did later when he released the longer statement. The longer statement was much more eloquent. He explained again that he met Chase and Rance in 2004, uh, did not know about his history, knew nothing about Aaron Epic, apologized and said moving forward, he would never work, he would never, I think what he said was along the lines of, if he was going to work with someone he wasn't entirely familiar with, he was going to do his due diligence on them. Basically, uh, was the second statement. Now, here's where the problem comes in. A few hours later, a picture emerges from 2016 of Kenny Omega, this, Jabel, this Jabali guy from CEO, and Chasen Rance with, from uh, Jabali's Instagram. I believe it was Instagram. May have been Facebook. One of the two. And what Jabali says is, thank you, Kenny Omega, for introducing me to Chasen Rance, who has provided us this lovely ring. And this was 2016. So now there are serious doubts to the tale that Kenny was telling the day before that he had met the guy once in 2014 and didn't know anything about his past. Well, why did you recommend that CEO use the ring in 2016 if this was just someone you met in passing that you remember from 2004? So now this is where some people believe that Kenny Omega is lying uh, and, and, and where he kind of got you know uh, caught in a lie. Um, and that's entirely possible. He may have been, uh, there's a couple different scenarios here. He may have said, shit, you know, um, I really should, he probably thought to himself, you know, I probably really shouldn't have booked this fucking guy. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the idea being that maybe he did know about his past and he is lying about it, but, you know, or there's the possibility too, that he's still telling the truth. It is possible that he met him in 2004, doesn't know anything else about him. Uh, maybe in 2016, uh, this friend of his, Jabali, asked for a ring, and he asked around, and you know, and he said, "All right, well, there's this guy I met in 2004 who runs a school. You could ask him." And you know, and 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 you know, but taking a picture, I mean, but but people, these guys probably get asked to take pictures all the time. Look, there is some plausible deniability here, but it does also at the same time look really fucking bad when the day before you're saying I met him once, and then there's a picture of you with the guy. In 2016, two years ago. So, um, there's a very good chance that Kenny Omega is full of shit here. Um, I thought the second apology was solid, but when it's followed up with that picture, it does cast a lot of doubt. Um, look, I don't think we're ever going to know whether he truly knew about his past or not. Um, Aaron Epic, I, that one I can let him off the hook. I never heard of Aaron Epic either. And I think there's a lot of people who never heard of Aaron Epic. Jason Rance, ah, it's really hard to buy. Because his story is out there, it's everyone knows about him, it's a running joke how sleazy the Florida scene is, and he's at the center of it. So, um, I don't know, I think it's a, 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 an absolute black mark on Omega, um, you know, uh, booking this guy. Now, there's some crazy things out there, I, I think the idea that promoters should run background checks on every single ring crew they hire, I, I think that's absurd. I, I mean, look. Maybe it's a good idea, but I don't know that it's realistic. Um, well, I don't. I, I think you probably should, but you know, I, is, 
Is it realistic? Not, not really. No, not particularly not for people that if you're if you're a consistent promotion that's running every month or whatever, you're not just a guy doing a one-off show or whatever. It's probably not unreal, unrealistic to do that. Anybody that comes to your show, you should know who they are and their background and their history and criminal records or whatnot. But you know, for for weird events like this, I, I get why it wouldn't. I mean, I the problem though is it's not like you're booking a thousand people. It's not that difficult, I think, to sort of look it up. But you know, we're saying that as people that 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 don't have obligations. I feel like I would be able to sort of do that, and and I would be able to look at it, and I would want to do that uh, before I kind of put anybody in there. But I don't know. I mean, there's. There, Rich, there let could, me ask you a question. Well, I mean, let like me you said, there, there could be a case where somebody writes to this website and it would take, you know, I, I, maybe I, immediately I, I don't immediately go and say, oh, well, let me find out. If this I was just going to say, are, yeah. we, are we running background checks on everybody? We're not. Yeah. And, and maybe I should. And you know what? Should maybe we? I should. That's yeah. an, but that's the follow up question. Right, should right. we? And maybe. I don't know if yeah. that's, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. But it's like, um, you know, I, I get that people are upset by this and, I, and Omega screwed up. And Omega not only screwed up, but he screwed up with New Japan's name on it, which is even worse. Right, because it looks they're the ones that are, and CEO's a pretty big deal too, and in, in, in their niche of, of the, and a lot of the stories coming out are about that, and that's yeah, you know, not I good. That's you, a black guy on both of them. I gotta tell you, we follow this Jabali guy, who I couldn't have picked out out of a lineup before any of this, and uh, he never addressed it. He has not addressed it uh, since all of this broke. He is just completely no selling all of this, but yeah, you know, Omega by booking this guy, whether he knew or not. And that's really up to you. Most people think he knew, um, um, you know, whether he knew or not, he put both new Japan and this Alex Jabelli guy in hot water with him by irresponsibly booking these two dopes on the show or letting these two guys run the show. He may have gotten away with this. If they didn't work dark match, who would have known whose ring it was, but you know, and that was part of his story, too. He said, look, these guys provided the ring. They did the setup and the breakdown. We told them, yeah, you could have a dark match with no nameplates. Just get in the ring. Give me two guys who can work a competent match. And these are the two guys that were provided. Um, which, again, his, his story all sounded plausible until that picture popped up from 2016. Now, I don't think that that picture is definitive proof that he knew about Chase and Rance's past. I don't even think that picture is definitive proof that he's pals or even knows chasing rants just because he got dragged into a picture. But it definitely casts a lot of doubt on what he said the day before and is not a good look. And I do think that there is a very good possibility, a very good possibility that Kenny Omega lied the day before. I can't say that he did. I don't have enough information to say he did, but I think there's definitely a chance he lied to try to get himself out of hot water. For sure. And, and, and I don't, you know, sort of reading through what I did. And like I said, I was kind of catching up. So I didn't watch that, which might've been to a benefit. So I sort of got all the information and sort of dug through it there versus sort of reacting in the moment. Like, like you kind of do a lot, you know, for better, for worse, when it's actually going on or whatnot. But as I was sort of putting the pieces together and, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for Kenny Omega. Cause obviously he's the guy at the center of this. He's the one promoting the show. He's the one running it. And, and ultimately he's putting a black eye on, on, on new Japan and CEO and all this sort of stuff. But reading through a little bit, and I, I think uh, David Bixon's band did also kind of come to a similar conclusion as well as he was sort of talking about this, is, yeah, Omega probably lied, but it really looks like, and you, and you mentioned, again, I'm not trying to bury the guy or anything, but uh, was it Jibaley, or is that how yeah, you pronounce Alex, it, Jibaley? Alex I think. Jibaley, I believe, yeah. He is based in Orlando. He yes. had this event in Daytona. Everybody is sort of looking, going, the connection, more so than the world-traveled Japan guy, Kenny Omega, who who's not 
palling around in Orlando, Florida all that often, whereas Bailey is always in Orlando, Florida, and he's obviously a big wrestling fan. There's, there seems to be, in, in, that, in that, you know, the picture that, that was coming out and making the rounds was an Instagram photo from Jabaley saying thank you to Team Vision Dojo for the ring or whatever. Right. You know, it, it seems he is a little bit more of the connection. So well, he was, he was th- the one he that also, sort of said. If I'm not mistaken, in that same caption, he thanked Omega for making the connection. Oh, does he? Okay. I all believe right, he then. does. I believe okay, he does. Okay, then, then I would say so again, like maybe I don't have all the info then. Okay, that might yeah, I believe that he might thanks change Omega lot, for, okay. for making the introduction. Now, here's the thing. I think it's entirely plausible that Kenny Omega, who, ha- who lives in Japan at least part-time and has for a number of years when he was part of the DDT office and all that, I think it's entirely plausible that he wouldn't know about Chase and Rance's past. Because if you're not extremely online or if you're not based in the U.S. indie scene, which he really never has been, I think that story could slip past you. Which is why I found his second statement pretty credible and pretty honest and and pretty reasonable. You know, he said, I fucked up and I'm, it's never going to happen again. I'm, gonna, I'm going to do my due diligence if I don't know somebody. But then when that picture pops up and Jabali is saying, thank you for introducing me, essentially, that's where there's some serious fucking doubt cast. Yeah, okay. So that is and, correct. Just to clarify, I, yeah, I found it, the, uh, the Instagram. It says, huge thank you to at Kenny Omega introducing me to Team Vision Dojo who supplied the CEO 2016 wrestling ring. So yeah. Now again, okay. I don't think that's definitive proof that Kenny Omega is pals with Chase and Rance and knows all about his, his, uh, his history. But what that is proof of is that Kenny Omega uh, you know, knew enough about Chase and Rance that he had a ring. Uh, you know, and, and if you knew enough about him to know he has a ring, and you do run in wrestling circles, even if they're not those circles, this story never got passed to you? And how about the whole week when you're setting up? None of the wrestlers on the show said, hey, Kenny, you know about this shit? No one else stepped up and said anything? That's kind of hard to believe, too. But then again, you look who's on the show. I mean, you know, you, you, you hate to start throwing, you know, would David Finley know about something like that? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if it's fair to sit here and say, why didn't Chase Owens say something? I don't know that Chase right. Owens knows either. How the fuck? Chase Owens wrestles in Tennessee. I, I, you know, I, you think I think he's... I think we 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 sometimes and again I, I'm not making excuses for anybody. Obviously, right. if you're running a show, if you're running this thing, you should do your due diligence. And and yeah, like right now we're talking about how on this website I should probably be doing my due diligence a little bit more. But we sort of assume I think more that wrestlers are more connected, that they all know, but they're really not. I mean, when you Midwest guys know Midwest guys. Yes. I, you know, if I went and talked, if I went backstage at AEW and asked, you know, I, I don't know that that many people know about the Orlando, Florida indie scene or whatever. Like we, we make jokes about it. We are, you know, not necessarily jokes, but we sort of allude to, to the Florida scene and, and, and how scuzzy it is when, you know, that WrestleMania a few years ago, I think we take for granted how connected because we are people that consume everything that, that know all the news that are connected with the, the Dave Meltzer's, the David Vixen fans, the people that do sort of the investigative reporting of pro wrestling. But I mean, you're, I think you're giving a lot of credit to wrestlers and I don't mean to like put down wrestlers. And a lot of times on the show we have, and people get mad at us, but I don't, they're guys that kind of do their job and get out of there. You know, like a Chase Owens, I don't know that Chase Owens really knows what's going on in, 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 in a lot of companies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that that Chase, I, and we're just throwing, I'm just putting his name out there. Not really, you know, but but all the time we get, you know, wrestlers. We we get wrestlers in our DMs a lot that that are oh, send me stuff on this guy. I, this is the first time I've seen this guy. It's like what are you what are you talking about? This guy's awesome. Like yeah, how have you not seen this guy? Like we sort of assume that they're consuming everything. That they 
they're Chris Heroes of the world. Chris Hero knows everything. Chris Hero watches yes. everything, consumes everything. He's on, you know, the, the, the RuTube watching, you know, Big Japan. Like, those sort of guys. But we take for granted to think that those are everybody. Right. They're not. Like, a lot of guys just kind of stay in their own little worlds. Like, uh, I, I tell you what, there was just an interview with a guy on this show, uh, that the, the media call with Juice Robinson that we were on. I don't know if you right. yeah, to yeah, it, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And someone asked him, why don't you work indies? And you said, I don't want to work indies. Number one, I don't know what the quality of the ring is going to be, and I don't want to get hurt. Number two, I don't know who I'm going to be working with, and I don't want to work with shitty people. He said, so outside of a few Ring of Honor dates connected with New Japan, outside of maybe a date or two in Chicago, if I want to knock the rust off, if I haven't been on a tour in a while, I'm just sticking with New Japan. And he's a guy who doesn't have social media. So that's a perfect example. He doesn't work right. any indies. He doesn't have social media. He's not connect. He don't know who a sleazeball is in the Pacific Northwest or in Tennessee or, you know, he goes, he flies to Japan. He works his matches. He comes home to Chicago and works one AAW match a year. I mean, so you're right. I think that we assume they're more connected than they are. Um, but, you know, it, it's so, so maybe that's kind of unfair to say, how come somebody on this show didn't say something? I could tell you this too, Rich. I talked to three different indie promoters and I asked them if they have ever Googled or background checked a wrestler that they used that they weren't familiar with, who was either suggested to them or, you know, uh, rode in a car and then they put them on the show and none of them said they have ever done that. Right. And, and that's, and that could be a problem. I mean, and we're exactly. Not saying that's not a that's problem. my yeah. follow up point. I'm not now, now the, the following question, and I had some conversations with, with two of those three guys, uh, two of those three promoters. I then had, decent-sized conversation with, and the idea was, well, is this something that we should be doing? Because we don't want to get caught with our pants down the way Kenny Omega did. I guess that's bad phrasing in this case. Yeah, I was going to say, let's but, find a different way to, but, uh, you know, caught yeah, by surprise. It's a, <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get caught by surprise. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but yet, to a, to a man, all of them said, no, that's absurd. It's just right. not what's done. Someone comes in a car with someone, and they're working an opener, or they're helping set up the chairs, yeah, we throw them out there for the opener, and we never think twice about it. And and, and they said, but this is – the one guy said to me, this is a real eye-opener. though. Maybe we should be doing – he's like, he's like, but I don't check anybody. Even guys that have – that are hot that I want to – that I want to book, I, I'm just booking them. I don't know their past. So I don't know if it's realistic that we can expect these guys to run – Look, I think some people just took that a little too far. Oh, you should be running thorough background checks and, and, and I come on. I it's indie wrestling. I mean, I don't I don't think I don't know if that's necessarily realistic. Now Right, right. Sh- and, and the thing with Rance though, and I think I and I and I do understand what people are saying that if you look his name on Google, like the second result is like, But why would you even think to Google him if you right, didn't know right. anything about his past? I, I you know what I mean? It's like why would you think to Google him? And now I bet you Kenny Omega is gonna Google everybody. But, right, you know, and maybe a lot of people are going to start doing that now. Maybe a lot of people yeah, will now. For sure. But, but what I'm saying is, I, I, I don't. Even if that should be what we're doing moving forward, and if things do change and we do start doing that, I don't know if it's necessarily fair. If we're going to take what Kenny's saying at face value, if we're working under the assumption that he didn't know about his past, I cannot kill him for not googling him because it's just not what people do. You can't hold somebody to a standard that no one else holds themselves to, and it's just not the business standard. No one's doing that except for WWE. I mean, that's just, you know, ask around. No one's doing that. So I, I, I can't hold them to that standard. Now, that's working under the assumption he didn't know. Now, if you think he knew and he's full of shit, I can't blame you. Because that no, picture's a real bad look. That picture's right. a real bad look. 
So I don't know where I stand. I don't know where I am. I know it's fucking shady. And I'm leaning one way, but I can't, I don't know. I do think, I do think whether he knew or not, I don't think Kenny Omega's a bad guy. I think he knows he fucked up. I think he feels bad either way. Whether he knew or didn't know, I think he feels bad. I think he knows it was wrong. I think he knows he fucked up. Because the angry defensive reactions at first tell me that he knows he fucked up and he was angry with himself. He should have never tweeted when he was at, he should have never looked at all those tweets calling him a pedophile and calling him a pedophile supporter and cursing him out. He should have never looked at all that. He should have, he should have logged off, stopped looking at it, and came back a couple hours later after taking a deep breath. Because that's where he really fucked up. His initial, his, his, his initial reactions to all this it, were not good. But right. I, well, I could see... He went see, on the defensive can, almost immediately. Exactly, that, but I could see where able. he was coming from. Rich, we've right. been there. Oh, yeah, much, yeah. And we've been there on a much smaller scale. Imagine the deluge that he got. We get it from people, and what's my first reaction? I always either text you or talk to you privately. I'm like, I'm going to tell this guy to fuck off, and I'm going to tell this guy to stick it up his ass, and you always talk me out of my tree. And Because that's always the wrong way to approach these things. You know, but that's how Kenny approached it, and he fucked up real bad. He fucked up with the reaction, and he fucked up with booking the guy whether he knew or not. So, a big fucking mess. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of people are going to give him the benefit of the doubt. A lot of people are not. A lot of people think he's full of shit. Um, but, you know, now he had his mulligan. He's got to be real fucking careful moving forward, and I think he will be. He can't fuck up like this again. You can't, because then it's a pattern. Because then it's a pattern. And, and you have to show when you fuck up to this degree that you've learned something from it. Okay? To relate it back to us, we had the writer who fucked up real bad. And we didn't edit it properly. Remember that whole mess? Of course you do. Yeah, of course. Okay? We learned from that. And we would never let somebody pull something like that again. So you learn from it and you move on. And, and I, I think that's... But, again, the other thing that complicates it is he put two very... This wasn't... You know, this was a Kenny Omega produce show, but he had two giant entities attached to it that he dragged under the fucking bus with him. And, you know, it wasn't either of their faults. I'll, I'll work under the assumption that this Jabali guy didn't know about Rance's past either. Because he's not in wrestling circles. How would he know? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, too. And I'm sure fucking, you know, Gato and Jado don't fucking know about this guy hanging out in Tokyo. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I think that's a, okay. a pretty safe assumption. So Kenny, Harold May does not know about Yeah, Harold him. May has no fucking clue. So he, he dragged Harold May and Gato and Jado and fucking Kadani and everybody else under this fucking bus with him too. And he, I'm sure he knows he fucked up bad. And here's the thing. The show was a fucking bomb. There's nobody there. I mean, okay. They drew 2350 for a building that could have held double. I mean, this is the same thing we talk about all the time. If you're running Cork and Hall and you draw 2,000 fans, nice job. If you have 5,000 seats and you sell 2,300 of them, I can't pat you on the back. Right, we're going to talk about that here in a bit and, and how you sort of reconcile that because there's going to be a show this weekend that is going to be interesting to see how that goes. So, so I mean, that's the Kenny stuff. Um, you know, and, and it's funny. You were gone. You didn't even know what was going on. I laid low because it, it's like I wanted to take in all the information. It's, it's, you don't – okay, one rule of thumb that I have, you don't have to have an opinion on everything. But more importantly, you don't have to always have the first opinion on something either. 
Right. Well, the problem, and, and a lot of times if you do that is, and then sort of things change, you've had that, you've already, you know, put your flag in the ground yes. for this side or whatever. If you're like, oh, Kenny didn't know or whatever, ah, da, 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 then that can be dug up for, for you know, in, in thousands of retweets of, oh, these guys think that Kenny didn't, you know, they're, they're on Kenny's side or whatever. And it's like, well, no, 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 I've changed since then. Yes. But that's the problem with the Twitter timeline and the, and the favorites and the, and the quote tweets or whatever is that something you said five days ago when you didn't have all the info is going to be something that could get brought up or whatever. So sometimes it's better to kind of lay low and let everything sort of progress before you get out there right away and, and, and give your opinion. We're, we're so eager to give that first opinion that sometimes that first opinion comes, and, and more often than not, the first opinion comes from, from, you know, pure ignorance. You don't understand all the situation going on, and, and that can really bite you in the ass later. Yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you know, we're not talking about a match reading here. It's, we're talking about a convicted sex offender. You know, when it comes to stuff like that, eh, I want to let it process a little. I want all the information I, I can possibly gather. I know I'm going to do a three-hour show. That's the other thing, too, though. I know I'm doing a three-hour show in a couple days. So I'm not ripping anybody for going out there and, and commenting on it. I know I'm going to get my opinion out there. I don't need to be the first opinion on it. I don't need to rush my opinion out there because I'm going to have this forum that a lot of people don't have uh, to talk about a topic like this. So, um, you know, uh, it, that's the Kenny mess, and it is a mess. And and again, um, you know, he's a champion of the promotion, and 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 you know, he took uh, two larger entities down with him here. So very ugly. Um, I don't think we're gonna get much more of a follow up on this. Kenny stopped talking about it. This Jabali guy wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't say anything. Um, you know, well, to be fair, he also tore his uh, his Achilles, so I think he's <laughs> he's trying to get that fixed right now too. Yeah, and I mean, and 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 really, I mean. There's not, there's no way to, to, if somebody can prove that Kenny Omega and Chase and Rance are pals, then yeah, then, then this story can go somewhere from here. Otherwise, I believe this story has reached a dead end. I, you know, it's, and at this point, for better or worse, can people are going to have their opinion on Kenny Omega and his uh, level of knowledge when it comes to Chase and Rance, and it's not going to move now because I don't think we're going to get any more information. This is it. Nothing else is going to come out. The only thing that can come out now is definitive proof that these two guys are pals. And if that's the case, he definitely fucking knew. So you either fall on the side of this was just someone who was less than an acquaintance who he just knew of and didn't know about all his bullshit because he lives halfway across the world, or he was full of shit and he knew full well and he booked him anyway and he knows he fucked up and... You know, you know, and then you, from there, you know, you got to decide where you stand with Kenny Omega from here. But uh, that's the Omega thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, we didn't tweet much about it. So I figured it would, uh, we had to address it here at least. Um, so people didn't, you know, I don't want people thinking we're dodging it. So. Um, oh, no, no, not at all. I, I think more than anything, as I was seeing it progress, I was like, all right, there's a lot to unpack here. So let me see as, as people sort of started finding stuff. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I waited because my opinion the first day changed from the second day, the change of the third day, and now I think I, I, I've got. I, I still, I'm still not quite sure where I'm at either. It'll, it'll, it. You're kind of waiting to see, you know, what it is, and and of course, yeah, we're we're very anti booking uh, pedophiles. Of course, I mean, you should always, always, you know, you know, do as much precaution. But yeah, no I don't one know. should it, be it's doing tough. business with rants. I mean, right? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's come on. But 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 so many people do, and right. you know, people go to his school. People, you know, some of the. The, the additional shrapnel from this is like, you know, Lindsay Dorado, of course, is friendly with them and he runs seminars in, in his school. And that's probably not wise. And if someone in WWE figures out that that's happening, they should probably stop him from doing it. That's the last thing they need 
is to be loosely connected to a registered sex offender. Um, and it's probably a bad idea on Dorado's part. If he, you know, he can probably, you know, he's very expendable. And if he brings WWE bad press by hanging out with this guy, he could get released. I mean, he think he's a fool for running seminars. Though. Uh, anyone who's using his ring should probably fucking stop, especially when they saw how badly this blew up. If that isn't your wake-up call, then you're too dumb to be saved. Okay? If you don't have your morals in place, okay, that's one thing. But then if you're that stupid on top of it to see the fallout from this and still do business with this man, then you deserve everything you get if you get outed. Because, I mean, come on now. Right. If you don't care about working with a registered sex offender, okay, that's one thing. But if you can't even pretend, if you can't even pretend to not want to do it, then you then it, you deserve everything you get when you get caught. I almost said caught with your pants down again. Yeah, let's we'll use a different word there. But and Epic's another guy too. You know the other part of that too. He's a guy that gets booked everywhere. I mean, well, I don't even. I've never even heard of that guy. I'll be completely he honest. He stays I've never Florida heard of him. stuff. I know he's done some CWF Mid Atlantic. I think he's done a few shots here and there. He stays mostly South Florida, though, for the most part. But he works a lot. I'm going through his cage match right now. He did FIP uh, 2015 or so. But, yeah, 2018, he's, he's worked a lot this year, Look, mostly in that I, area, listen, though. So. I don't know enough about him to speak on him. I don't know if he was convicted. Or I don't know anything about him. Yeah, right, So right. I want to stay well. I'm staying away from that because I don't know anything about the guy. Um, but but Rance, look, it's fucking right there. I mean, you know, there's other – I'm sure there's another fucking ring in Florida that you could use if you're in Florida. You know, it, it's or in fucking Alabama or a neighboring state. I mean, it's just don't do it. I mean, you can't tell the guy he can't run a wrestling school. OK, if he wants to run a wrestling school, he can run a wrestling school. You can't make him fire himself. But you could fucking, you know, not attend his wrestling school. You cannot rent his ring. You cannot book him. You can control those things. You know, and, and, and let people who want to associate with him associate with him. So, you know, I. You know, this is a this is a major, major fuck up. But we didn't see the show. I can't talk about the matches. But I didn't I, see yeah, it. unfortunately, I haven't seen. It. I mean, again, like I, I'll add it to my list. But it's yeah, like you said, we'll probably watch it in like September, and nobody will care at all. The main event sounded fun. The main event sounded really fun. So I guess we'll, we'll I'll probably eventually watch that one. But yeah, a lot of the other stuff doesn't really you know, intrigue me that much. I'll, I'll watch the lovers and 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 you know, Omega Nobushi versus Lij. But, that's five uh, that's matches. Probably, yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll go through the whole thing. Cabin Cabin Owen sounds pretty fun too. Maybe I'll check that out too. Yeah. But. So uh, what else we got in New Japan? We got the uh, what do you want to do? New Japan World numbers and then preview the Cow Palace show. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. All right. So uh, let's see. So we've got the new New Japan World numbers. They are right at a hundred thousand, and it's sixty thousand subscribers in Japan and forty thousand outside of Japan. Okay. So this tells me two things. This tells me that streaming services still aren't much of a thing in Japan. That's number one. Because if the outside Japan is creeping that close to the numbers in Japan. Right. And we heard about that when they launched as well. And that's one of the big reasons why a lot of people are like, hey, why is it not on Roku? Why is it not on the PS4? Why is it not on this? Why, you know, and it was that, you know, this, this streaming services, particularly streaming wrestling, is just probably not going to do that well there. And that was always the thing we heard from day one with this thing is that it was it, it was a thing and it was going to get popular. But maybe, you know, that it wasn't going to be as you know, because Kadani, I forget what number he he gave some ungodly one hundred thousand or something. Not even 000. more than that. Yeah, it was a hundred thousand that he gave, and that and it was, that was it was misinterpreted as. Um, uh, initially, they said a million, but then uh, that was <laughs> that something been... that 
I think Tanahashi said or something like that. But okay, yeah, yeah. You know, they're at a hundred thousand now. Um, right, but, but we I, heard that from initially, and and a lot of people yes. said, ah, that's going to be real tough in Japan to do for any sort of streaming service. Right. Um, a, they've got a hundred percent growth from a year ago. They were at about fifty thousand total about a year ago, and it's the, uh, the the Jericho stuff where they saw their initial giant bump. And the idea is when you get these giant bumps, um, especially from, I mean, because just look at it. There's been a, a 20,000 subscriber increase in Japan from uh, a year ago and a 30,000 increase from outside Japan. So that does speak to the idea that Chris Jericho did push these numbers. And the idea is when you book someone like Jericho and people subscribe for Wrestle Kingdom, a lot of people cancel. But Rich, a lot of people don't. When it comes to these streaming services, and I could speak to that, I forget I have them. I just leave it there. You know, I don't, I don't like the All Japan service. I don't need that every. Oh yeah, month. I'm three months. I'm three months into the All Japan service, and I have not. I, like I got, I was in Toronto looking at like payments, and I was like, oh yeah, that All Japan thing. Fuck, I'm still subscribed to that. I didn't stop. You know, I, I could have easily canceled it right then and there, but I was like, ah, whatever. Maybe I'll watch them All Japan. Yeah, it's like during the carnival, <laughs> I was watching it every day, but now I'm watching right. it like once a month. But it's still on there because it's it's more of a hassle to cancel it than it is to just fucking leave it on there. And that's why you want to have these big surges because a lot of those people are going to stick with it. And we've seen that happen and now booking Jericho moving forward. People are interested in the Jericho thing. Jericho has proven to be a draw uh, uh, for that company. So, and you know, with Harold May, it's, we've talked about this a million times. They didn't hire an English speaking guy who's familiar with cultures outside of Japan because they're just going to keep focusing on Japan. They're going to focus on international growth and they want to be an international uh, company. It's really going to take some time to see some of the things that May wants to stress. He may pull back on running shows in the U.S. He may ramp up running shows on the U.S. Um, none of us really know. Uh, we know that with his background, he's probably going to increase some marketing things and, and, and things of that nature and, and licensing uh, uh, just because that's his background. And maybe that kind of stuff will improve. Uh, look, we you know, it, it's, it's just recently, too. I mean, you know, with the whole Fire Pro thing and everything. I mean, that's stuff that New Japan wasn't doing um, a couple years ago. So uh, so we'll see. But the uh, New Japan World numbers um, have doubled in, in about a year, a year's time. And they seem to have helped, um, which is pretty crazy. And I, I keep seeing Dave Meltzer saying that New Japan World isn't profitable. I don't buy it. You've got 100,000 subscriptions at 10 bucks a pop. What's the math on that? That's, what, a million dollars a month? Am I doing the math right? Yeah, and, and where's the overhead? I mean, where where's the overhead? Where's the overhead? World? Okay, right. they're running half of the time at single cam shows, which cause you know it's not like they're spending, they're not flying English commentators. Kevin Kelly's doing it from his fucking living room half the time. He's not there in these buildings all the time. Um, they're not even flying Japanese com. They're not even bringing Japanese commentators to all these shows. A lot of these are single cam. I would love it. I would love for someone to explain to me how a million dollars a month with that overhead is not profitable. I don't buy it. They're making twelve million dollars a year, gross, off of the subscriptions. How is that not profitable? They're running these shows anyway. It's not like they're running extra shows for New Japan World. All they're doing is sticking a single cam on most of them. And the shows that aren't single cam and that have commentary would have had it anyway. So uh, I don't understand what Meltzer. I don't. I don't. I, I would really like Dave Meltzer to explain his rationale. Maybe we should just ask him. I don't know why we don't just do that. He, most of the time, he'll answer us. I don't understand how a hundred thousand subscriptions is not profitable. I, I just don't buy it. I can't. 
Unless we're are we missing something obvious? I I mean I don't think they have like a you know given their archives I don't think there's like a, a you know a hundred people working tirelessly day and night to like like I imagine the the overhead for the WWE Network is is, is a lot more because they are pouring through those archives still they're you know not doing much but they're still producing some you know original content there's not much from New Japan World it's you know I mean there's a lot of the other content thing, well isn't there like bandwidth and things like that yeah that sure but I mean that's that's pretty negligible I think you know when you have six hundred thousand subscribers I think that's kind of you know I think and isn't there right, infrastructure that, for um you know oh sure I, there, there is but that's not I mean that's nothing that we're talking a million dollars a month here I, right I can't exactly that's what I mean it's not that them. it's not a million dollars whatever their their infrastructure is. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Or are we even doing? Are we doing the math right before we look like dopes? I mean, they've got. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we're, we're we're not. I mean, we're we're dopes, but we got six hundred thousand times what ten bucks a pop. We're saying that's you know six hundred thousand dollars right no, there. They've got a hundred. They've got a hundred thousand subscribers at ten bucks a pop. Yeah, it's a million dollars a month. I, I I don't see how that's not profitable. But, uh, but yeah, so that's the uh, that's the New Japan World numbers, and then we've got the Cal Palace show coming up. Which have have we checked the recent ticket sale? I haven't seen ticket sales, and probably I ever. have not. Yeah, I've not seen anybody. I was I, I was wondering if you had heard anything yet. They have been kind of quiet about those, so I don't I don't know. I think uh, let's see if we can. Yeah, I don't know. Are there anybody? I haven't seen anybody even tweeting about them either. So I don't know. We'll, that we'll we, have uh, we'll have the number in a couple days. I mean, yeah. the shows here. So um, if you could look for that, I'll run through the card real quick. Uh, the opener is a, the card is pretty much, yeah, the card is finalized. It was finalized a couple of weeks ago. We're not going to do a thorough preview, but we'll run through it here. We've got Yoshihashi, Gato, Rocky, Rocky Romero, and Rapongi 3K against Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Yujiro, Chase Owens, and King Haku returning uh, to represent <laughs> the Bullet Club, which, uh, you know what? That's fine. He wants to come back once or twice a year. I got no problem with that. Got Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano against Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Those two teams have been battling all year long. We've got uh, Tanahashi and Kushida against Hangman Page and Marty Skrull. Pretty odd to see Tanahashi that low on the card. We've got the never openweight match that they set up when Goto won the title back. He defends against Jeff Cobb, who's a local guy. Okay, so that might help sell uh, a couple tickets. We've got the Young Bucks defending the IWGP Tag Team titles against Sonata and Evil. That's a rematch from the team that they won them from. We've got Kazuchika Okada and Willow Spray versus Tetsuya Naito and Bushi. That should be a great match, but it's very obvious that Bushi's going to eat a pin there. And then we've got the business end of the card, which is uh, the title matches. We've got Hiromu defending against Dragon Lee. That is one of the greatest rivalries in the history of wrestling. I don't think that that's hyperbole, and we will get that on this show uh, for the IWGP junior title. Jay White defends against Juice Robinson, uh, the IWGP United States title. And of course, the main event, Kenny Omega defends against Cody. And I think without question, the fact that ROH did this match first in New Orleans has hurt the ticket sales here. Did you find anything else on the ticket sales? No, the normal the normal folks that are always talking about it. I mean, it was not in the Observer this week. I know that. And then the normal, you know, Mr. Jacob Cohen, you got Lavi. I haven't seen anything from those guys. Um, as well, so no, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if anyone's doing the study right now. So I guess we're just gonna wait and see and find out. Maybe the maybe something will come up as we're recording this. But yeah, as far as I could tell, over the last few weeks, nobody has uh, has had any updates on it. So that's it for New Japan. We do have the G1 Pick'em is back, correct? Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, one one thing real quick on the on the Cow Palace, like 
you know, we, we talked about this when they announced the, the, the building is that in, in a different way than all in, they never said, hey, we're going to get 10,000, we're going to get this. But when you book a big building, there's the implication that, okay, well, you book this big building and you're not explicitly saying you're tarping stuff off, that if there are empty seats, if there are empty sections, if you got to tarp off full sections, that's going to look bad. It's going to reflect poorly on it because, you know, it, to be fair, this is an arena that's probably pretty cheap to come by because it just sits there and does nothing. So it's not like you're booking the Staples Center or whatever and then half-filling that or you're not booking, you know, the, the Oracle in, in Oakland and, and half-filling that or whatever. So that's a little bit different. We know that it's not maybe as expensive as those, but still, it, it, it reflects negatively. Even if, even if, because we know that the ticket prices were high, even if they were going to make money hand over fist. We knew even when those first sales came out, what was it, 4000 or whatever, that they had already probably made their money back on that because the 4000 or whatever tickets, a lot of them were the ringside seats, a lot of them were the real close, the 100 levels or whatnot. Those were always going to be fine and those were always going to be good and they'll always make money on that. But still, if, if they do a crowd pan and half the upper deck is tarped off or empty, that's going to reflect poorly no matter what, one way or another when you book a big venue. So I'm very interested to see how this goes. Yeah, I'm we were talking about the optics, sort of talk optics, about it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's all optics. Even if they make money, even if they could say, "Well, we're profitable," people are going to say, "Yeah, but you booked this building and you only filled half of it." Right. So the implication is that the next time you go and say, "Hey, we're booking this arena," you're going to look. People are going to look back and go, "Well, yeah, but the cow palace you couldn't fill." You know, you know. So it, it's going to be a thing no matter what when it comes down. And I don't know that they're going to get a bunch. Of, maybe they're going to get a ton of walk up. Who the hell knows what's going to happen there? But uh, yeah, it'll be pretty definitely pretty fascinating to see how how that goes. Look, if they crawl to six or seven thousand fans, I, 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 I have a hard time calling it a failure. Right. It's and it's if, still no. It's it's a success no matter what. I think it's going to be optically it might not be a success, but like financially and business wise, it's absolutely a success. If they do four, you know, if they do forty five hundred, five thousand, I you could talk me into, you know, taking an L. If they crawl to six or seven thousand, if they do more than seven thousand, it's an enormous success. If they do six or seven thousand, I don't know if I can call that a failure. New Japan no. drawing seven thousand fans in the United States. I mean, that's right. I mean, in this on. year too, and this year has so much other stuff. I mean, it has again, like you said, Omega and Cody has already happened this year. All in is happening in a little bit. You know, Will Ospreay, and I guess now it's becoming a, that they're coming back in September or whatnot. That hasn't been know. confirmed, but um, right, you know, and, and that could just be Osprey, and we'll get to that when we do bouncing around the Indies. That'll tie into a topic I want to bring up. But yeah, they just ran in Florida. We just talked about it. Drew twenty five. Right. Yeah, this this exact one. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff there. So it'll be interesting. But yeah, the show uh, we have a preview up on the website, voicewrestling.com. Pretty good, uh, extensive preview there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited and interested about the show. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It, it's I don't know. It's not blowing the doors off. That's what you're saying. We're not doing like extensive preview. It's it. It'll be fine. We're gonna be good. We'll, we'll review it. We'll probably leave oh, off of course. Of yeah, I'm we'll sure. Lead it, topic, but, but uh, you know, it, the card's been out a couple weeks, and you know, we're not gonna do an extensive. We got some other stuff to get to anyway. Yeah, we gotta sure. talk about the CMLL. Oh, sorry, and the pick'em real quick. You did mention the pick'em. Uh, Voicewrestling.com slash G128pick'em. That's slash G128pick'em. P-I-C-K-E-M. Voicewrestling.com. If you want to do uh, our, our New Japan pick'em, obviously you have until the first day of the G1 to do it. Free to enter. Some really cool gifts this year uh, for what we're doing. We're uh, Chris Charlton, our good friend Chris Charlton, he's releasing a book about the history of uh, wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, Eggshells, and you're going to win some free copies of that if you win the tournament. So... That's not bad. Free copy of a book that has to do with you know New Japan or whatnot. And I've, I've gotten a preview from the book as well from Chris. And so far of what I've read, it's awesome. And, and, and Chris did Lion's Pride a few years ago. The sort of the history of New Japan did an incredible job with that book as well. And he's awesome, too. We love Chris here. So, yeah, it was, he was gracious enough to offer a few copies of his book uh, for the prize winners. So, yeah, voicewrestling.com slash G128. Pick them. Free to enter. Just got to pick every single match of the G1. And the winner emerges. And, and 
we always kind of have our own strategies, and maybe next week we'll talk a little bit more as we kind of preview it. I have not done my pickums yet. I haven't even begun to to think about it, and I probably need to get on that pretty quickly. But uh, yeah, it's always a fun time. It's always fun to see, and and by next week I'll have a lot of numbers too, so we can kind of go on and 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 we always like to do this of of what the people are picking. It sort of lets us know, okay, well this guy's a favorite, or a lot of people are on this guy. I haven't looked at anything quite yet because I don't want it to sort of influence how I pick. But uh, I'm fascinated next week to kind of break that down. But anyway, we got already a bunch of people. I think we're going to definitely make this the biggest year that we've ever had. Uh, I think we're already on that path as well. But voicewrestling.com slash G128Pick'em. And we'll have uh, standing updates on the website and on the forums uh, throughout the G1 as well. But yeah, make sure you want to sign up before the 14th is the first show. Uh, so you're going to want to sign up pretty quickly if you can. So voicewrestling.com slash G128Pick'em is the... You were all for that. So, all right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some lucha here because we are also a lucha yeah, show. Yeah, we gotta now. do the lucha. That that's a great prize for the pickle. If you don't win, which none of you are gonna win, it's gonna be so hard to win that fucking thing. Go buy that book. No, it's awesome. Yeah, and Chris does a great job, and he's he's a guy. He's a member of the community. You know, he's he's a cool dude. Yeah, definitely go out there and support that book. The, the hardcover it has. And by the way, if you read the uh, the New Japan ebook this year, you might have noticed a lot of designs from uh, Shining Wizards designs. They're very. They, he was like black and white, very kind of yes. pencil sketchy. He did every pencil sketchy. That's my great art. <laughs> I don't know anything about art. Pencil sketchy. I, I'm sure he's got a better way to say it, but he did the art for the book too. And the art is incredible. Some awesome stuff. So like the hardcover, I mean, that's the main prize is the hardcover book with all the art. I mean, that is awesome. And like, I have that's a, di- a new Japan book. It really, it really ties into the context. Right, right, right. So, so it's, it's pretty cool that we were able to do that. So that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited that he did that. So yeah, if, if you don't win and, and maybe you should just pre-order it anyway, just to do that. So Chris Charlton's book, Eggshells, we have a, a link. Uh, when you go to that link, uh, link to pre-order, you should probably just pre-order it anyway. But then if you win, you can, you know, then you have two copies. You can give one to the, you know, as a gift for Christmas or whatever. But, uh, uh, yeah, you're probably not going to win. As Joe said, you know, you think you're going to win, you're not going to win. You're overthinking this. You got your spreadsheets. You, you're doing all this math and lining it up. You're not going to win. You, you got, oh, well, what if it's a five-person draw and this guy, eh, none of that's going to happen. You're not going to win. You're going to fail miserably. But let's all have fun and fail miserably together. And, you know, three people will win, but, you know, you're not going to win. So I didn't talk about the Park Rush match last week when you were gone because I wanted to wait for you. I think that a lot of great things are happening in CMLL. Park and Rush finally had their best three out of falls. Best three out of falls. The fuck? This is just, I, I can't talk today. Their best two out of three falls match in Arena Mexico <laughs> last week. Um, and now Park is gone from CMLL for now. Um, it's still up in the air whether they will do the mask versus hair match at the anniversary show. They did the... Uh, all three falls were non-finishes. Um, every match they've ever had, they've never done a conclusive finish. So they're still saving the possibility of finally having a clean finish if they do the mask versus hair match at the anniversary show. But Park is gone from CMLL. This was expected, okay? But he's gone. He will be working Triple Mania, the four-way mask match. The question from there, well, we assume he will be anyway. That one seems to be more of a lock than the uh, CMLL match. From there, the question is, two weeks later, will he work the anniversary show and put up his mask again against Rush's hair? He's not going to lose his mask in the AAA match. He's not going to lose his mask against Rush either. Um, but but we'll see what happens from there. Um, now, Rich, you watched the Park-Rush match. Um, what did you think of the match? Well, first I'll give my opinion. Um, you know, I thought it was a fun spectacle. It's not really my style of lucha match. I'm not a big fan of mask-ripping brawls. I totally recognize the charisma of L.A. Park. I totally recognize the charisma of Rush, particularly when he's in the ring with L.A. Park. 
I think LA Park brings Rush up a level. Rush doesn't do a ton for me otherwise. Um, but I like watching him work with Park. I totally get the appeal of that these matches have for some people, and I think I think Park is a fucking riot with some of the things that he pulls. Um but I hesitate in calling what I saw a great match. It just wasn't a great match for me. It was enjoyable. It was a lot of fun. I like watching these guys do their thing. I think of the matches they I've I've seen some of their other matches from prior years and didn't get them at all. I just didn't. To me, they were just basic walking brawls, and I wasn't into them. I thought this was the most enjoyable of the matches they've had. Maybe because they're building towards something. Um, and maybe that means something to me that I'm looking forward because I want them to have this match first. I want this match to happen in a very bad way. I think it'll be great for wrestling. I think it'll be great for Lucha. Um, I, I, I and I think it'll be um, a very dramatic match. But the match that I saw in Arena Mexico uh, two weeks ago, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I can't even attempt to star rate it. I, I just, if you were going to put a gun to my head, I'd say like three and a quarter or something like that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I did enjoy it on some level. I think it's the best way I could describe Park and Rush and the match that they had. And this is going to annoy people, but I don't mean it in a condescending way. I think it's goofy fun. That's how I view it. I think it's goofy fun. It's got me tuning in every Friday night now. I even watched... This past Friday's show, even though Park's gone, because I was into the Phoenix um, Kevin Ariel match, which I want to talk about briefly too. So CMLL has me hooked now, and it's thanks to Park. Instead of just watching when I'm totally bored, I watch every Friday now, or I at least watch the replay, because it goes up on YouTube, free and legal, on the CMLL YouTube page. All their shows do. Um, but I, you know, to me, the Park Rush stuff is goofy fun. I watch it; it puts a smile on my face. I turn it off. And I don't think about it until the following week. Where did you stand on the Park Rush match? Yeah, now I, you can get yourself in trouble because I. Yeah, I thought it sucked. I, I, you know, it's, you just seven, don't like it. those seven matches are just never going to hook me. They're just not going to yeah. do much for me. And 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 I try. I I every year on the show, like I'll watch the Big Triple Mania. I'll always watch the big main event of the CML Anniversary Show. And, and time and time again, I go in. I go, okay, I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna try my heart, and it just it just doesn't hook me one way or another. Silly fun, I guess. I don't know. I didn't even get that much enjoyment out of it. I, it's just, to me, I, I don't know. There's just, it's not what I want out of my wrestling. And that's fine. Like, there are people that yeah. love it, and that's good for them. And, and, and we had a discussion on our, our Slack. I don't know if this was, was public, but I think you brought up a pretty good point, is that a lot of the people that are in the crowds for these shows, these Arena Mexico shows, they're there to drink beer and watch guys just have a, a bar fight or whatever. And some people love that. Yeah. Some people, when I say that I don't like these matches, people go, oh, well, you know, you just don't like bar fight wrestling or whatever. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't. I enjoy athleticism. I enjoy, give me a Will Ospreay. Give me, you know, those sort of guys. Give me, you know, fuck, you can give me Kadoka if you're looking for, that's a guy who's athleticism. He's doing something that, that wows me and amazes me and makes me go, oh my God, I can't believe. Like, it's a big reason why I watch basketball and why I watch sports is these are, you know, peak athletes doing things at the top of their game. And, and, and yeah, there's not all wrestling needs to be that. Not all wrestling should be that, but that's the wrestling that I like more. I like more seeing in Okada, a guy that's in peak form, you know, doing incredible stuff. I mean, the, the wrestling that I've always been attracted to is that level, the bar fight wrestling with guys, you know, ripping masks and doing it. There's I, to me, it's just, I'm sure there's an appeal. I understand there's appeal. It's awesome. Parks. I mean, the business wise of park, it, it's, it's obvious. I mean, there's, he leaves a show and it, you know, 4,000 less people or whatever it was comes to the, yeah. you know, the Friday show or whatever. Yeah. He, he essentially doubled attendance. <laughs> right. <for sure laughs> it's like, I can't deny that there's obviously people in Mexico. love it. I can't deny. Do that you he's... recognize his charisma? 
Oh, absolutely. No, I get it. I get it. It's just not for me. It just doesn't do a thing for me. But I'm sure, like, right. if I was there live and, and I'm with my buddies and we're just drinking beer or whatever, I'm sure I'd love it. But, you know, me watching, you know, on a, on a, on a YouTube channel, you know, sitting by myself on a Friday, I'm just like, all right, it's not doing much it, for It's me. a hard watch. For right. It's, it's just not doing it. And, and that's, it's not me taking away from it. It's not me demeaning it. It's just, you know, it's not for me. And that's fine. Like, you don't fucking like it. Right. That's fine. <laughs> and and yeah, I, I can keep trying to like it and trying to like it and trying to like it. But it comes a point where I'm like, how, how many times am I going to do this? And sometimes things surprise me. I said that about the death matches. When people linked me to that, the, the one we talked about earlier, I said, I, you know what? I've watched enough best ever death matches. I'm not going to watch this one. And people were like, all right, whatever. You're missing out. And I'm glad I watched it. So I'm probably going to eventually just continue to watch every big park match, every big CML match. But I'm fully, you know, expecting to not enjoy it. And that's, it is what it is. Like, for the purposes of this show, if I wasn't doing the show, there's no chance in hell I'm watching these. But I feel like I have to. Especially, oh, we got a lot, yeah. Especially this, this year with yeah. LA Park, mm-hmm. he's he's doing incredible stuff, and he's in the news, and he's so we got to watch it. I have to watch it, but have to, we have to watch. It. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> it's, it's whatever. There's, I watch a lot of wrestling. I don't enjoy. I watch a fucking WWE pay per view next weekend, and I'm not going to enjoy. But you know, it's, it's, it's what the quote of the quote unquote job entails. So I got to do it. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just never going to hook me. I don't think. Maybe it will. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I seem to enjoy it a lot more than you do. I think that. um um, but look, I saw some people call it their match of the year. Um, I don't know how much of that is ironic or just because, you know, the park thing has become a meme. I'm not saying that there people don't genuinely enjoy it. Don't get on me for that. But there is a meme aspect to it, too. It has become sort of this thing. So I don't know whether the people calling it their current match of the year are being facetious. I'm sure some of them are being serious. I'm sure some of them are just going along. And having fun and doing the gimmick. And that's fine. I think one thing that the park thing has done this year is you see a lot of people having fun. And you can't ever knock that. There's people enjoying it. There's a lot of people having fun. Meltzer gave it four stars flat. So there's clearly people who are enjoying these matches way more than we are. And I don't even hate it. You hate it. Um... Did you watch Phoenix versus Cavanario from this past week? The semi- I have not. I've been I've been told that my I would enjoy it a little bit more. It's you, kind of my Rich, style. Yeah, Rich are going to love. Well, I've always liked the, Cavanario, so I'm into that. And Phoenix, of course. I mean, of course, I love Phoenix. Oh, I apologize, King. Oh, Phoenix. <laughs> spelled yes, like right, the right. city because he's yes, um, yes, like Phoenix, a Phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah, that that sort of Phoenix. Yeah, not, not you know. Yes, King Phoenix. Uh, they had to change his name. Of now they they this match was built this the, the week of the park rush match on the semi main event. Um, those two got into it in a six man, and they had their mano y mano match uh, this week on the semi main event. I went four and a quarter. Um, it's my lucha match of the year so far. I and I've been watching way more lucha than I've watched in many years. It's awesome, particularly the the first five minutes are going to have you jumping out of your seat, and then it goes from there. And I think it's the it's 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 a lucha match that that Rich Krejci is going to enjoy. Well, you like okay. both of those guys, too, so it's not... Yeah, like right, right. I usually stretch. go... If, if if people say this is an awesome Kevin Aro match, I usually do, because the dude's a crazy fucker, so I'm sure he just yeah. does, like, a fucking sunset flip to the outside. It's a, he's a nutcase, so, yeah, I'm always in, interested. Yeah, and uh, let's see. The main event of that, of course, had the... Um, it was a trios match, and I think this is worth mentioning, too. Uh, I just watched this before we recorded. I watched uh, the semi in the main. That's usually what I watch on the Friday night shows. I'll usually watch the semi in the main. You do that... You've got, you totally have a feel for what's going on. Friday night CMLL shows, watch the semi in the main, and you can keep up with everything that's going on. You don't have to watch the Puebla shows. Uh, you know, if, if, if some of them get a recommendation, you know, I'll watch a match here or there. But it's really the Friday night Arena Mexico, the semi in the main. The, the main event was uh, Valiente and Valdor Jr. and Caristico 
against the returning Charlie Rockstar, uh, Cybernetico, and uh, El Zorro. And uh, the, the big thing there was the run-in by Pentagon Jr. So that got an enormous pop. He attacked Caristico, and they're setting up a Pentagon Jr. Caristico match. So they lose LA Park. They gain Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. I don't know what they're calling Pentagon Jr. I'm sure they're not calling him Pentagon Jr. He might be El Penta Zero M, whatever the fuck, which is what he uses when he's outside of the uh, uh, AAA realm, your Lucha Underground, your AAAs, your Impacts. Um, he has to. What is it? Penta Zero LM bullshit. Whatever. Yeah, it is. Penta Everyone Zero L. Yeah, I, I just I don't it's even. I just call him Pentagon because everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Penta L Zero M. Yeah, or whatever. Or Zero M Eight or whatever. Who fucking cares? Yeah. Yeah, that King Phoenix Cavanario match though. Okay. Uh, excellent match. It's own. under twenty minutes. You're in. You're out. And then I'd stick around for the Pentagon run in too, um, in the main event because it gets a lot of heat, and um, we'll see if those guys stick around moving forward too. So, well, like you said, look, this park stuff. CMLL's hot right now. They got big names coming in. Park might be coming back. The anniversary show, if he does come back, is going to be huge. Got to talk about it. It's it's newsworthy, and uh, and 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 you know, if you're not following this, then you're not keeping up. Uh, you know, with everything that's going on in wrestling right now. So, uh, what do you say we wrap this up with? Do you want to bounce around the indies, or do yes. we have anything else that we missed? Let's uh, bounce yeah, let's indies. bounce it. Let's do it. Yeah, got about uh, got about 15 minutes left, so let's do it. We got four topics this time. Now, Rich, last time I don't think uh, the producer inserted <laughs> the last two times the producer stopped, and now I'm I'm the producer in this case was wondering if he sh- it, it should just be their gimmick that they forget to put the music in, or if they should be a good producer and just put the music in. I can't tell the producer what to do. Yeah. What I'm going to do is introduce the segment with the space for the music. Okay. And we'll see. And, what and we'll happens. see if he does it. I mean, you, you, it's hard to get good work in the city. You know, it's, it's tough. You pay these people and then they just, you know, slack off. So we'll see. All right, Creech, you know, the format, everybody knows the Let's format. I throw you a topic. We get your opinion. Are you ready to bounce around the Indies? Rich topic. Number one. I don't think we've ever done this. We're going across the pond. What? Yes. On. I don't know if you heard, but Willow Spray and Jordan Devlin supposedly had a killer fucking match of the year level match in progress, which sounds great, right? And by the way, progress is offering seven free days. Did you know that? Streaming service. Uh, demand progress. Did you know that? Rich? I didn't, but now I do. Will you take advantage of that and watch this Willow Spray? Um, I mean, I might as well. Yeah, if it's free, that sounds good. Free I think is a we good should price. do that. And talk. I think we should do that. And talk about the match next week. That sounds I hear perfect. The absolute killer. Here's the thing, though, Rich. The OTT promotion in Ireland had been building towards Willow Spray Jordan <laughs> Devlin as their big match for their big show coming up later this year, and Progress beat them to the jump and kind of sucked the life out of it, just like we just talked about with Kenny Omega versus Cody versus Cody taking place in Ring of Honor before it took place for New Japan and potentially hurting business. Many people suspect that Progress doing the match first and with how great it was, it may hurt OTT's business if they move forward and do the Willow Spray Jordan Devil match. Rich, the question I have for you is as sort of neighbors in the region, does Progress owe OTT, uh, you know, not to do a match that they've been building to, or is it every man for himself and fuck you, if we can do it first, we can do it first. Um, I'd, I'd like to say the first, but I, or the, the former, but it's definitely the latter. I mean, you do whatever you want. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you, you it's, it's kind of every man for themselves. Yeah, it'd probably be a, you know, a nice little thing to, to to not book that match and not do it, but I get it. I mean, hell, if you can do it, if you want to book it, you, 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 you,
to book it. And it's actually, it's funny you bring it up because it kind of relates a little bit to what goes on uh, in, in some regions in the Indies. And, and I have it particularly in Chicago where, you know, AEW will a lot of times not book people on freelance and vice versa. And they don't like to book the same people. And, and people get mad about it and people get, you know, all, all angry. But AEW's stance is, well, you know, we don't want people to be overexposed and they don't want matchups to get lost like this. They don't want to build up to X versus X and, and, and then on freelance they just decide to throw it away and it's nothing. Like, if that's one of the big things that they're building up to and then it's built up and or it's, it's it's done on, you know, a random freelance show or whatever, AEW books, you know, a, a big time freelance, you know, main event or whatever on one of their undercards or whatever, that, that, that you know, could affect business in, in, in both ways. So I, I get why they do I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks for the wrestlers that guys are, are, are told to kind of choose sides and I don't really, I would hate for that to be what it is in Europe where people have to choose sides or whatnot or they can only work certain guys, but when you don't do that, situations like this arise, and and progress is at no obligation to say, well, okay, you know, we won't do this because they're at the only obligation. The only obligation progress has is to themselves and to their paying customers. So yeah, if they're gonna put on Osprey versus Devlin, you know, yeah, that they're gonna do that. I mean, maybe there's, you know, yes, in an ideal world, there should be a common courtesy, but it's fucking indie wrestling, so you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, it's a bad beat. Um, there's no question, it's a bad beat for OTT. I do feel bad them on some level but at the same time I can't really fault progress is it kind of a dick move is OTT now going to pay them sort of the same respects in any similar situations no they're not um, but that's kind of the way it is um, you know you talked about Chicago a little bit I can tell you in Austin Texas um, there are promotions that you know they all book the same people and, and it's, you know, have their own various storylines going and you know they don't pay each other those courtesies either so um you know, it's it's the kind of thing where you wish they would work together a little better, but at the same time, I you know, and, and it was kind of just a throwaway match for progress. It wasn't some long built up, you know, a main event of a giant show for them like it would have been for OTT. But can you really do? I mean, right. I, it, it's kind of just uh, one of them things. But uh, like the, the Omega Cody thing that we talked about, I mean, that's one because those are those are companies working with each other directly. New yeah. Japan and, and and Ring of Honor and whatnot and and. And, you know, New Japan has never really cared all that much for Ring of Honor, and this is the first time that Ring of Honor just kind of said, ah, oh, fuck off, we're going to do this, whatever. In those In those situations, you probably should have a discussion if you're working directly together. But if you're not directly together, you're just region-specific, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it you're going to lose, like you said, you lose that next, you know, the next thing that OTT does. They're not going to give a courtesy to progress, but, hey, do what you got to do. All right, topic number two. Speaking of uh, All In and Ring of Honor and New Japan, all In announced a match today. They announced Kazuchika Okada's opponent for All In. It's going to be Marty Skrull. Uh, I noticed that a lot of fans were super excited about this. And, and if you read the, the replies to the All In tweet of the match announcement, people are going absolutely mental. Rich, you have a slightly different take about the Kazuchika Okada-Marty Skrull match, and so do a lot of other people. So there are some divisive opinions out there. There's a lot of people that think this is a waste of Kazuchika Okada on the show. Rich... Where do you stand on the match announcement for All In, the biggest indie show maybe ever in the United States, Kazucho Okada versus Marty Skrull? Yeah, I think the thing with Okada is I think there's so many other better opponents. Like, if I was going there for to watch, you know, a great wrestling show, there's 10 guys I'd rather see against uh, uh, against Okada than Marty Skrull. And that's nothing direct 